This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Supreme Resort Land v. World, a podcast about Disneyland and Walt Disney World and which is the Supreme Resort. That's right. In each episode, we will discuss and explore each resort ride by ride, land by land, park by park, nighttime spectacular by nighttime spectacular to determine which is better. I'm your host, Jimmy, and thank you for joining me on this quest to help find the greater good and stuff and which is better. Uh, joining me <laughs> find the answer from scraping the vault and the founding member of the princess perry fan club that's dan yeah hi i'm dan uh i'm glad to see that whatever mental disorder i have is spreading amongst us oh lord and from <laughs> concierge and clap on the count of three <laughs> eric wait on on three <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, nah, never mind. And appearing as defendant for the very first time, we have Christy. Hey, um, I forgot to clap <laughs> yeah. on three. <laughs> Sorry. All right. How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> well, we're doing great. No, I was going to talk to you. I was talking to the listeners. Listeners. Please write in. Oh, it's so good to hear from you. <laughs> great. Oh my gosh, me too, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he has COVID? Oh no. Oh, oh, so sorry. Well, you told him to be careful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so guys, we're going to talk about a really important subject tonight. Um, and before we do, I want to talk about something maybe even more important. Uh, got to address this. This has been huge in the fan community. Uh, the fan base has been in total disarray, and we need to address it on this show. We're not a current events podcast or a news podcast, but it's time we we talk about this. That's right. Steve Gutenberg needs a new phone, and you he- stole my bit. <laughs> <laughs> now it's not even funny anymore. No, okay, oh, we should start Let's try over. again. Let's try again. Okay, here, go. One, two, right. three, clap. Fan base in total disarray. Mm-hmm. And that moment, of course, the thing everybody's talking about, the passing of Dustin Diamond. Oh, that's super current. Wow. I know. It's sad. He was 44 and he died of cancer. It was very sad. And I really enjoyed that show. I know there's been a lot of recent drama and whatnot, but he was too young. He was on a show? Anyway, so welcome, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, today, we have some mailbag from Dan's mailbag of mail. Let's open it up. Right. Welcome on welcome aboard. Ahoy! Dan's <laughs> that was the end of the song. Oh, for Dan's oh, mailbag with oh. mail. Uh, Very nice, good job, Dan. Thank All you. right, let's move on. <laughs> this is the shipboard bag of mail. Uh, we, as you know, we get so many letters, mm-hmm. mostly from the Lairduke family, stamped 
full-on oh, letters yes. to your post office box. Right. Yeah, of course. They actually, what they, they will send the email because they know to do that, but then they will send a letter to my P.O. box with stamped, and in the letter, it's just a post-it note that says, I sent you an email. <laughs> Very thoughtful. Never tell my father-in-law about that. With a heart. Um, uh, so... Apparently, there's a little ride called uh, the J- Jungle Cru- Crawl. Jungle Crusade. Jungle Crawl. Never heard of it. Crawls. Um, I guess it's a ride that's been at Disneyland and all the other Disney parks for a while. Never heard of it. Um, at least the 70s. Right. At least <laughs> since the 70s. Um, and apparently, there are some things about it that some people find. Um, not good. So Disney is changing it. And there are many opinions about it. Mm-hmm. And what is our writer inner's opinion about it? Um, they think that because they don't personally know any headhunters or cannibals, that it's fine. <laughs> Oh, and nothing dear. should change. Because <laughs> I haven't heard any of them complain. Do you know any of <laughs> <laughs> What I've do you think their one. email address is? <laughs> if we had to reach uh, out. So, but in, in all seriousness, um, this is not a cash grab like, you know, like let's put Emily Blunt and The Rock in the thing, right? This is not. Right. I mean, they'll have some nods <laughs> to the movie, but this isn't a total Pirates well, overhaul with the IP, right? Not the Let's way it be seems, fair. No. It might they might have some of that, but I think, um, uh, well, Eric, you wrote a full on blog about this, so you probably yeah, have yeah. more information than I don't. <laughs> well, it, it's it's interesting because the the way they have it laid out, um, I mean, they they basically presented it very matter of factly. Um, they also included a great a great picture of Kim Irvine. Next to uh, the quote from Kim Irvine about the ride. I don't think she was involved, but she was commenting on it. So they included her picture. But really, they're just talking about, hey, we're updating the ride. We're we're this is a new tribute to the the people that make this ride amazing. The skippers. We're going to put a skipper in the ride and there's going to be a whole new storyline about the skippers and a lost cruise that that came that you know ran aground. And you'll see some of the people from that cruise. My and you'll even see a skipper were out there. And they met being headhunters together. Yeah, but yeah, so, it, <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny because they just did it that way. And the the post that I wrote was essentially eh, some people might have had some problems with this. And then the next morning, I woke up and like every every news article I saw from every every blog and magazine that has nothing to do with Disney was. Disney responding to racism complaints. Oh dear. Yeah, is that is that what it's about though? I mean, it, it's less it about is. racism, more about inclusion. Oh, I think I, it's not not that. You know what I mean? True. Like, I think there's an interesting. Sorry, I haven't been eating. Indeed. I have not been eating. Be <laughs> um, Tell us what you haven't been eating. Um, if I were to eat anything that uh-huh. was located right next to me on my bed. Right. Um, it would be red beans and rice with ham. Gotcha. Um, so I think – so the, the thing that really irritates me about this is that there's like two conversations going on that are kind of 
occasionally dishonest where people are saying like, well, it's I don't know why it's problematic because it's been there forever. Like you do know why it's problematic. You just don't want your ride to change. And that's that, that's fine. But admit that. Right. And then the, we talked about that with the Native American. Exactly. Right. And then on the other side, there's, I think, people who are saying something where it's like, well, it's not really to get rid of the, it. It is. I mean, <laughs> it it is to get rid of these problematic things, but it just so happens that they're doing this other thing as well. And I think that I think the if there's going to be a debate or an argument, we need to be able to be honest about it and say and say like, well, th- it is changing because of this. Well, is it fair to say that there are a fair amount of complaints about the Jungle Cruise? It's stale. If you don't have a really good skipper, it's kind of a boring ride. It's the same thing over and over again. Is this not just plussing up an attraction? And if that includes some inclusion and other diversity, is that a bad thing? I I don't understand the outrage. And Eric, you wrote the blog. Can you you kind of sum it up? Well, I I mean, that's that's kind of the idea that there's – there's never been a cohesive story before. It's just here are a bunch of things. And as as we, not, not I, since I wasn't on the show yet, addressed in our episode on the Jungle Cruise, uh, there's a certain argument to be said that, that Walt Disney World had a chance to create a, a more cohesive mm. story moving through the, the jungles and the rivers of the world. But still, it's just a bunch of little vignettes and a skipper who's telling jokes. It, Disney does best at telling stories. Right. Why not take advantage of this this opportunity and say, you know, we there aren't going to be yes, there are going to be some people who are going to complain about this, but are there going to be quite so many who are upset right now? We're we're changing other rides. We've got some opportunities because in Disneyland, all of the rides are down. Why not make a couple of small cheap changes and add a story in and we can entertain guests in a completely new way? Right. If you can, and I think, if you can remove the blackface, you should. Yeah, but I think is it more more than anything? Yes, perhaps the the narration and the skipper and the funny skipper was shoehorned in later, right? Know, years later, like you know, let's let's add some jokes. Who was it? That was uh, Mark Davis. Mark Davis. He's like, let's let's do some some stuff, and they just evolved over the years. But if you can, to your point, Eric, if you can make a story, and of, of course, it's probably going to mirror the story that's being told in the movie, whether they're going to put that IP in there or not. But if you can have a cohesive story that exists in this attraction and enhance what these skippers are saying, but maybe more of a story that they can ad lib and improv, that's not a bad thing, right? Well, yeah. And doesn't it give us as writers an opportunity to be a part of maybe that story? I mean, if their jungle cruise could run aground and their boat could end up, you know, underneath a rhino, could ours? I mean, I think it gives us an opportunity too to kind of become part of that story as it evolves and changes. Yeah, That's how I, I looked at it. Yeah. And we don't, yeah. we don't know if there will or will not be an animatronic rock flexing at the end and if there is then bad um do you mean like a piece of granite or marble <laughs> right <laughs> bronze and, um i mean yeah there's there's a bad way to do the thing but i don't think that i think too many people are assuming that it's just going to be that bad thing mm-hmm. um it could be certainly at this point there i mean that that pun almost has to be in there at some point when the movie comes out someone's right. going to make a comment about the rock of course. Absolutely. I think we've already heard that joke. 
all the worse if they didn't. They, you know, what a great opportunity if they haven't already. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, this movie's been done for a year and a half, right? They've just been postponing release because of release schedules and COVID and everything else. So, anyway, I, you know, I, I've heard some light scandal about it. I've kind of ignored it a little bit, but I don't understand the outrage, and I'm looking forward to evolution of an attraction. That's what this is all about. Walt Disney himself said it. This will never be complete as as unless unless have we just lost imagination? Is it officially over? Yes. Well, I mean, we are doing an awful lot of uh, remade movies with people and CGI mm-hmm. instead of drawings. That is true. I think. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, it's still going to be a cruise through the jungle, right? It's not like right. they're like changing it suddenly to a Willy Wonka ride through in, in Adventureland. It's like, it's still the thing. And I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, I, a part of me doesn't love that this thing that I'm familiar with is changing, but at the same time, it's like, how much longer can that stay? Right. You know, yes. <laughs> like, and the, the one thing I think you're leaving out that might upset people is that in the movie, um, the actor Tom Cruise has has a part, and his character <laughs> is is named Jungle. He's Jungle Cruise, and that's that's <laughs> right. unfortunately the skipper's oh, well, in, in the ride. And then his cousin Jingle is in the sequel. Yes, in, of course. Only only for six months, six weeks out of the right. Year. He's a distant cousin. Yeah. So uh, anyway, unless anybody has any other strong opinions about it or anything, other talking points, you can learn more about it if you go to earsup-podcast.com forward slash the dash supreme dash resort and you can find eric's uh jungle cruise blog hey, eric while we're on the subject tell us what other blogs you're writing because you, you i've seen a lot of your work it's uh becoming more plentiful tell us more about the stuff you've written oh well i've written uh just uh well i, I write a regular semi-regular piece about uh drinking in the parks called libation explorations uh it started out as a disneyland focused uh blog uh, with ears up, but um, then they closed. So then I've just been sort of exploring other other areas of of Disney because there's plenty more places to drink in Walt Disney World. Uh, so that's mm. that's been most of my work. But lately, I've been filling in with a lot of that's random. Not Disneyland's fault. Mm. Well, still <laughs> plenty of interesting things to drink across the pond, but the land pond. The land pond is that? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what we call it. Yes. The Officially. Land Pond. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of other smaller stories lately, just as we find as we find news and weigh in with a little bit of my um, my own take on things. Um, for instance, uh, about the, the I, I don't know if we have if this was in the mailbag. I, I don't know. I don't I don't think so. But well, we've already closed it. So uh, no. Te- well, I suppose technically we started closing it. You're correct. Um, here, let's just do that again for good measure. Hi, I'm not eating, and um, whatever I'm expected to do, I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, there was an, a weird little story that popped up uh, last week about uh, fake sites on Grubhub telling people that they could get food from from restaurants within Walt Disney World parks. Right. I saw that. Whoa. Which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> that uh like yeah, and of course people tried it because why not? Why wouldn't they make their food available to the people of Orlando? They're that are probably and you know very annual pass holders. Um mm-hmm. 
But it, it turns out Grubhub just kind of makes up some of these sites, and they've been in a lot of trouble for this in the past. So the idea is I can go onto Grubhub and I can order a plate of pasta from Tony's Townsquare restaurant. And, and the Grubhub guy would have to like park and then take a boat. <laughs> take a boat across, use his reservation for the day, use his annual pass for the day, go in, stand outside. Unbelievable. It's like, and come back across. It's like people have no sense of decency anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did your did your Earl well, of Sandwich from from Disney Springs just show up, Dan? Yeah, he ordered it two weeks ago. <laughs> when I'm in San Diego, I'm in San Diego, so it's a, it's a real problem. But I tip well. Uh, excellent, mm. excellent. I would have wiped off all of the mayonnaise. And I, but I do text them every once in a while. Be like, don't ring the bell; the dogs will bark. By the way, what, are you <laughs> almost here? Are you here? <laughs> Can you How hear me is now? Arizona? Are you here? <laughs> here. Well, thank you. If everybody, please uh, take a look at Eric's blogs. They're actually very well written. He's a very articulate man. As you have, if you haven't figured it out from listening, uh, he articulates even better in writing. So go check those out on the earsuppodcast.com. Um, past show corrections. Speaking of past show corrections and annual pass holders, um, Disney World annual passes are not available unless you renew. So you can still get Disney World annual passes, but only upon renewal. And uh, the excuse me from uh, Steve Martin was, in fact, from the album Let's Get Small, the blue spot bit. Eric, I'm really sorry. And Eric, did you have any others? Yeah. And um, I really honestly haven't done a whole lot more True. research into this. But there was uh, pre- predating the Magic Kingdom Club. There was a small piece of paper called the Gold Pass to Disneyland that uh, that was given out to certain select partners like Jack Rather, the owner of the Disneyland Hotel. I know about this because um, there were some images um, in one of the books about the Disneyland Hotel. Uh, Essentially what the Gold Pass was, it allowed the bearer to bring in themselves and five guests uh, for free. And then they could go to City Hall and pick up one ticket book each. So pretty, uh, pretty decent stuff. Completely universal pass. I guess it also fits in with that sort of apocryphal first family pass that they gave out to all the people who were the first people to enter into the parks right? where rumor has it, they have a universal pass to every, every park on the planet somehow. No way. That's still a thing. It can't be. (laughs) That's what Um, what they say, but I haven't really found a whole lot about it, but I haven't really done a lot of research on it either. Well, there you go. Um, so I want to, unless anybody else has any other comments about the Jungle Cruise or annual passes or past show corrections. No, sir. No. Count of three, clap. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we have a new comment on our website that I'd like to read. This was on the episode, The People versus Disneyland Annual Passes. Very timely because we were just talking about it. This is from Sarah. I will not read her entire email, but Sarah's comment was, I made the mistake of listening to this episode while working out. Good for you, Sarah. I laughed so hard I almost dropped my weights. My husband and I are huge fans of this podcast and the network. We listened to the Haunted Mansion episode a few months back while we were on our way to get hitched at the Honda Center. That's in Anaheim, California. Please come out with a wingy castle shirt. Oh, Sarah, I've gotten a design. I think it looks good. Weenie castle shirt, hopefully coming your way. I would love to wear one when Disneyland finally opens back up. Looking forward to more episodes, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. 
And uh, there will be more episodes, in, including the one you're listening to now. And we also have a new comment from uh, M242547. I decided not to read the one that's, that says, I love the show and Eric sounds really cute. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was me. <laughs> uh, this one, short and sweet. Love the show. Hilarious show. Five stars. That's from M2547. So thank you, M2547. Hopefully that's not Christy. Hey, uh, hey. Yeah. So we have an important subject today. This is, uh, yeah, we this do. is one that's near and dear to many, many hearts. Uh-huh. And that is, of course, the case of the Phantasmics, Disneyland versus Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now, today's episode, Dan will be arguing the merits of Disneyland's Fantasmic, the original. I think you mean Fantasmic. And- I maybe and the or Amazeballs, which will be the show poster. And Christy will be arguing for the uh, Disney Hollywood Studios version of Fantasmic. Uh, and if the Disneyland, oh, sorry, Eric will be the judge, I'll be the jury. I have some a little bit of background uh, that I'd like to share that I learned. Uh, but in the most for the most part, I will be juryying. And if Disneyland, if Eric feels that Disneyland's Fantasmic gets a point, you will hear this <laughs> Make sound. him stay, Merv. <laughs> Dan? Yes. You're on. You're up. Well, Fantasmic uh, was... Oh, no, no, no. Tell us what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away. Uh, One, two, three, clap. That sound is from Interstellar, a documentary about... Matthew McConaughey getting time powers. <laughs> <laughs> and it was slash maybe all true, depending on your your moment oh, in time. Man. And this is relevant because... Because he has a daughter named Murphy, and there just mm-hmm. happens to be a dragon in Fantasmic that people call mm. Murphy. Because... Mm. A lot of things went wrong with this dragon, but it's awesome. Okay. Uh, And if uh, Disney Hollywood Studios Fantasmic gets a point, you will hear this sound. (laughs) All right. Uh, Christy, you want to, I think most people will know what that is, but go ahead. Um, That's something that Eric found because I didn't know how to send him (laughs) sounds, but it sounds just like Maleficent. It is. <laughs> or is it her sister? Ooh, or cousin. Because <laughs> they can't both be in two different places right. at once. Distant cousins. Okay. Uh, so before we get into the argument, I, I want to share a little bit what I've learned, just to give you a little back, bit of background. And Dan, forgive me if I'm stepping on you. I just thought this was quite interesting. You know, I love I it when you step reason. on me. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nighttime, fan, nighttime spectaculars on the rivers of America are not new, uh, dating all the way back to 1962. They had something called Dixieland at Disneyland used floating stages. Uh, Louis Armstrong was featured in 1962 amongst uh, other celebrities. And that tradition kind of carried on in the park for through the sixties and the seventies until it kind of fizzled out in the late seventies. They had something called the Saturday Night Concert Series, again, Rolling River Review, where celebrities would come on and perform on the Rivers of America, Pearl Bailey, Frankie Avalon, Buddy Rich, and others. So having nighttime entertainment on the Rivers of America at Disneyland is not brand new. Uh, 
Now, in 1984, the nighttime show Laser Phonic Fantasy debuted at Epcot's World Showcase Lagoon. Now, the show used then cutting-edge technology that allowed images to be projected on sheets of moving water. It was Abstract also, images. It was, just to interrupt, it was also the best name for a show ever. Yeah, I was Laser just going to tell you fantasy. to say yeah. it five times fast. That's extraordinary. Yes. Uh, the show, of course, was an instant hit, and Disney began investigating whether the technology could be used for a show on Disneyland's Rivers of America. Uh, this desire grew only stronger in 1988 when Laserphonic Fantasy was replaced by the first version of Illuminations, which used an ever more advanced water protection technology. Moreover, Mikey Eyes uh, really enjoyed how the restaurants around World Showcase Lagoon would fill up every night and wondered how they could maybe duplicate that at Disneyland. So, as the late 80s became the early 90s, planning was in full swing for a nightly show over the Rivers of America. Several concepts emerge uh, in the Blue Sky planning process. One, there's not a lot of detail, but it, there's a lot of art out on the internet. But this one, there was one that included a show based around the characters from the Haunted Mansion and the Pirates of the Caribbean, where they would essentially like fly from those attractions and battle it out on the on the on Tom Sawyer's Island. Whoa! Um, and there was one that was built around the film Fantasia, which would include a live orchestra floating on a barge and three screens that would like actual screens around the river that would show images and scenes from Fantasia while an orchestra would play live. Well, and the the river haunt idea was interesting right. because it was like more of a illusionist show where sure. uh, ghosts are involved. I mean, it would have been, I think it would not have aged well, but like it looked right. like it was going to be like a musical comedy kind of thing with very illusionist kind of, I think they were very, very, very leaning in on the idea of like, we need a magic show, not just a show that is magic. Sure. Yeah. But some of that concept art out there looks really interesting. Yeah. I don't think the technology, I don't think they had the technology. They could probably pull it off now. And I, I they actually did a little bit on the, what was it? The fifth, 40th anniversary of the Haunted Mansion last year. Hmm? They did a fair amount of projection technology and, and you know, the ghosts were anyway. It's on the internet. Uh, eventually, the concept of Mickey battling a cavalcade of Disney villains combined with moments from famous Disney animated features won out. Originally, the show was called Imagination. But you can't trademark the word imagination. So before uh, it was retitled Fantasmic for merchandising and trademark purposes. And this was created it, by someone named Barnett Ricci. She was the director. Yes. And Eric, I have a clip ready for you. She did a lot of things. She uh, did, first of all, America on Parade. Uh, she was in charge of the Golden and Diamond Horseshoes for, to some extent. And she, she did a lot of choreography. And she was also a former kid of the kingdom. Now, I know you probably listening to that, hear that, and you're thinking, I think I know what Kids of the Kingdom is, but I'm not sure... Eric, can you play that clip to confirm that it is exactly the thing that you're thinking of? Uh, yes, I will do that. All right. That's right. Uh, just imagine people clapping, running, 
but kind of that like stage running where they're like their legs are yeah, going totally. back too much. Yeah, very 80s. right. Clapping above their heads, a lot of feathers in there, a lot of you know feathery ha- hairdos, uh, white sweater vests, all dressed the same. It's Mervin's. It's Mervin's in musical wow. form. There you go. <laughs> for for you kids out there, I think it's Cole's <laughs> musical thing. Thank you. <laughs> Current reference. Cole's is the new Mervin's, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Cole's is the yeah, new Mervin's. So. Yeah. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Construction began. On Fantasmic in 1991, the Rivers of America was drained and Tom Sawyer's Island was expanded to facilitate the installation of the show's infrastructure. This included computer control rooms, backstage areas, larger-than-life Pinocchio marionettes, more on that later, I'm sure, and oh yeah, a dragon. Well, it was actually a dragon's head on top of a cherry picker, but still, this version of Maleficent, which served as the show's climax, was a sight to behold. In the end, the show cost $30 million. Give you an idea. Star Tours, I think, cost thirty-two million. Every worth every penny. I don't have a lot on the Pinocchio puppets because I'm going to be focusing mainly on the show as it is now. They broke. Uh, well, they broke. But I just I don't know if <laughs> if, if everyone else remembers this. So we're going to get to a point where you find out how many times I've seen this show and how many times were in the first year that it was open. That's a lot. Um, uh, I remember, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, and I'm hoping someone in this group remembers, every time the Pinocchio puppets would come up, for some mm-hmm. reason, you could hear the entire, you can hear the audience go, Ooh. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> I, I'm convinced it was pipe, piped in, Dan. I, I worked this show the first, the summer of 1997, when Ursula still worked. I worked the show almost the entire summer. And so I knew that version, you know, in and out, up and down. I still know it. But yeah, I could I could uh, count down the beats uh-huh. of every time. And I'm pretty sure that it was piped in. I think it was just because they didn't expect – it was the only time that that effect happened. Like they were mm, already prepared effect. for – a snake that were already prepared for like things happening on a stage. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere comes this thing that is a real simple, like black light technique, but it was just, it's, it's kind of like that. Like no one's expecting a dream sequence in Perry kind of thing. Like, (laughs) right. Spoilers. (laughs) Um, yeah, so it, it, I mean, it was a neat effect, right? Uh, for right. sure. And I think the ooh was just like a response to like I didn't know that was going to happen, right? So just a little bit more that I found fascinating. Phantasmic uh, was originally scheduled for a lavish press premiere and soft opening on April twenty ninth, nineteen ninety two, heavily promoted with the slogan "Be here when the night." ignites however Uh earlier that day (laughs) los angeles had erupted in a fiery riots over the verdicts of the controversial rodney king beating case (laughs) the event was postponed and now uh the darkly ironic slogan was quickly pulled from all advertising (laughs) sorry it's not funny uh despite the auspicious beginning when phantasmic did finally open on may 15th of 1992 the show was a smashing success Crocs flock crowds flocked to the park in record numbers 
record. No, crocodiles <laughs> also flocked to it. They came all the way. One, two, three, from Florida. They <laughs> like. Uh, yeah, so they came and yeah, lots of people came to see the Cutting Edge show, which featured a full-scale Peter Pan versus Pirates battle, a large group of characters on the Mark Twain riverboat, a giant inflatable Ursula, and the aforementioned fire-breathing dragon Maleficent finale, among numerous show-stopping moments. Now, despite this initial success, there were some hiccups during the show's early years. These included the Ursula inflatable continuously breaking down before being retired for good in 1997. Good riddance. Issues with the reliability of the fire effects used to simulate Maleficent's fire breath using Cremora. uh, And perhaps most notably issues with crowd control. While Tom Sawyer's Island and the Rivers of America made a spectacular backdrop for Fantasmic, the riverbanks were not initially designed to handle massive crowds waiting hours for a popular show, which led to fights, congestion, and bottlenecks most nights. Sorry. Enter Sorry for the fights. Fantasmic at Walt Disney World. Hey, Jimmy. Yes. Uh, another one for, for, the, for the, 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 the glossary, perhaps? What's Cremora? Mm-hmm. Cremora is like Coffee Mate. But it's flammable. <laughs> and they used, they used Cremora in a powdered form. They would blow out a big ball of Cremora and then light a spark, and that would light the dragon's fire. So it was actually coffee creamer was the original fire from the fire-breathing dragon's mouth. And kids, if you have Cremora at home... You- all right, all right. <laughs> and, and according to uh, Vice President of D- Disneyland Entertainment, Robert McTire... Um, coffee mate doesn't work for some reason. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they took they that out of fire. Cremora. So anyway, that that's just what I learned. I am happy to be the jury. I'm going to let Dan finish up any history and then pass it to Christy for the history of Fantasmic at Walt Disney World. Right. Well, so Fantasmic did in fact open... On May 13th, 1992. I saw it May 16th, 1992. Um... This was the year I got my annual pass, and I'm not going to include a lot of myself into this, but apparently I've discovered in researching this thing that I love Fantasmic probably more than anything uh, other than living people. Um, And so just putting that out there. um, And if you were at Disneyland in 1992 for that summer and you saw a toe-headed kid with a tartan blanket... In the very front and center, that was probably me. Hi, how you doing? I have a podcast now. Um, so the idea for Fantasmic was actually, it's best described in the narration that opens it. And that is, and I'm going to try to do the jarring part, but welcome to Fantasmic. Tonight, our friend and host, Mickey Mouse, uses his vivid, vivid imagination to create magical imagery for all to enjoy. Nothing is more wonderful than the imagination. For in a moment, you can experience a beautiful fantasy or an exciting adventure. But beware, nothing is more powerful than the imagination, for it can also expand your greatest fears into an overwhelming nightmare. Are the powers of Mickey's incredible imagination strong enough and bright enough to withstand the evil forces that invade Mickey's dream? You are about to find find out. For we now invite you to join Mickey and experience Fantasmic, a journey beyond your wildest imagination. Now, I bring this up because this is, you know, we, we changed the format a little bit a while ago. I don't know how permanent it is, where we talk about what a thing is, like what is a Main Street supposed to be? What is it? What's its purpose? 
Phantasmic is one of the only things I, it's the only thing I can think of, and it might be just one of the only things that begins with like a mission statement. It tells you right up front what it is. And so when uh, Imagineers were scoping the globe for possible ideas for things that could replace or things that could be put in the, the river, they um, went to France and they saw that um, screens would be, could be created with water. Now they had kind of done this with the illusion and the, Hey, look, there's laser show um, where, but it was just kind of like vague, like shapes. But with this new technology, they could project actual film on actual water. And it pretty much just changed the game here. And so they were thinking that they could create like this dreamlike idea where things are kind of morphing into each other and things are distorted, but that's like part of the story. And so a natural place that they went with that was, well, what if Mickey's having a dream and he's dreaming that he's this all powerful sorcerer and he then the dream follows this like this dream logic where things become other things, morph into other things. And there's connections, but they're not like linear. It's like you, you can kind of see the connect. It's, it's, it's dream logic. You can see the connections, but if someone were to ask you like, okay, what, how is that directly related to that? You'd be like, it just is, you know? Right. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now I, I heard, and I could not find anything to substantiate it, that this idea was this woman's dream. Uh, like that she dreamed that this thing was a thing that fits. I, I mean, that, that totally fits. Um, I get just to exhaust this source that I'm looking at. Um, the show ended up being a total game changer because they, that side of the park wasn't really active at night. So they figured the Island is closed anyway. What if we just right. put something there and we can turn this into a nighttime spectacular? And it is. It's turned into – I mean it's still kind of an event that engulfs the whole place whether you like that or not. Um, and uh, I guess some background information about me that might illustrate why this show is like a perfect fit for me and why I love it so much and why I'm kind of – I'm kind of a super fanboy about it. Um, I grew up listening to, to records a lot and was really socially awkward kid. I can't, I'm sure surprised, right? Um, I also happened to spend the first five years of my life in a fairly secluded environment geographically. So I'm like very familiar with the phenomenon of putting on headphones and listening to an album front to back, imagining in great detail, like the story or the sonic landscape being created, whether it's intentional or not. And for me, Fantasmic was a realization of that. It was a validation of like, oh, this is this is this thing like made flesh, sort of. So that's kind of its DNA and my DNA. We speak to each other, <laughs> and so I'm. I realize that I'm generally usually a lot more. Uh, less of a fanboy, a lot more less of a fanboy. But this this thing, it's it's I love it. And someone else, please talk. It's a good show. It's it's well done. It's well made, and we can talk about the differences. And that's sort of the point. Um, one of the things, and I I don't know that now is the time, but one of the arguments for me that we've talked about on this show before 
is that at Disneyland, you can explore uh, Tom Sawyer's right. Island, Pirate's Lair, whatever it is. You spend the day, you go hang out in front of Harper's Mill or is that what it's called? Um, and, uh, you know, you're, you're doing your thing, hanging out on the island. And then later that same day, you can see that island come to life and it makes it into more of a magical spectacle mm-hmm. or the casual goer. Right. And, and yes, it does kind of shut down that side of the park, which to your point was already shut down, but it is a fantastic spectacle. And they were showing that show at the outset, three nights, three times a night. The last show started at 1230 a.m. <laughs> Neighbors wow. weren't happy. Yeah. But anyway, Christy, uh, sorry, Eric, I'm stepping on your toes. Go ahead, Eric, say words. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just the judge. I, I don't know what <laughs> right. to In say. That case, Christy, you say your thing. <laughs> yeah, go for, go for it, Christy. So far, we, we've had a lot of ideas that I think are getting ahead of themselves. And let's, uh, yeah, let's present. Yeah. Yeah. So in um, 1998, um, Disney Hollywood Studios needed something. They needed a spectacular. They needed something. So they brought Fantasmic to Orlando. And of course, they had to do it bigger, better, better because they have the space, right? So they built an amphitheater. They decided that 7,000 people could sit there. <laughs> and they do the show two times a night when it's not COVID. And in 2015, Pop Secret became popcorn became the amazing sponsor and um they were the this was the last nighttime show to get a sponsor because everything else already had a sponsor and it's popcorn I, what's better than movies popcorn come on i'm just imagining an old man named pop secret well that's just old pop secret over there. <laughs> oh, yeah he has his it's own his seat yards. right up front <laughs> can see some really dark paths <laughs> pop secret <laughs> Orville had all the dirt on that guy. <laughs> it's his cousin. I do want to say that when I saw Fantasmic, um, it was still called MGM Studios. And um, for me, why I love the show so much is it almost brought Fantasia to life for me. I'm a lot like Dan. Like I said, last time I never even got into the parks until I was 19. Disney music was the only way I really could connect with Disney. Um, movies were not really in our repertoire when we were kids. Single mom, deadbeat dad, blah, 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 sad story, insert violin music here. But so. Pop secret. <laughs> and pop secret. You know, it was Jiffy Pop actually, cause we got to watch the foil explode. So it was really Jiffy oh. Pop. I know it was awesome. But so for me, this was a way that I could see cartoons and characters and all of the music brought together all in one spot and it rolled by on a foot and a half of water and that was pretty cool so i agree with you it's the music it's all of it together just makes it a fantastic way to end your evening so i don't know how many times i've seen it but it's a lot well and you say it almost brought fantasia to life i would also Mm -hmm. say that it almost brought phantasmic to disney world yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's what I have to say about that, buddy. We don't shut down the park, and I got a seat. I can even do the wave. Wow. You're yes, welcome. You yeah. Stuff's happening here. We did okay. the wave. We did the wave, and it was spontaneous, okay? Our wave is spontaneous. Sometimes we have four waves going at once. All right, all right, all right. All right. Uh, my, okay. Okay. The, the, may the, the prosecutor and the, the other one... Hold on. Just and also a with you. 
<laughs> I'm I'm judging here. Uh, so we've established that these that the the basic premise of these shows we understand that they're very similar. Let's get into some of the dynamics of the shows. Let's talk about in in great detail what happens in the show beat by beat. Maybe not as great as some other shows that maybe scrape certain vaults. Uh, but let's talk about the shows and talk about what makes them different. Because right now you're you're establishing this premise that they're both good things and that people like to sit near them. Uh, what makes them different and how are they effective? Well, first of all, I think the seating is a big thing because there is none at Disneyland. Um, and I can see how possibly Disney World has a bit of a, a little bit of a leg up on the seating, but I, and Jimmy, you can probably attest to this better than I can, um, or more objectively than I can rather. There is, we were talking about in the previous episode, that sense of community about Disneyland, that sense mm-hmm. of togetherness and everything. Um, this is, it, it, this is an event that takes over this mm-hmm. area for, a period of time and you don't have to sit there for three hours. Like I may or may not have every Saturday for a year of my life, um, you know, to get the front and center seating that may or may not be marked by a certain rock on the ground that you noticed was always there. And you thought this is the spot. Um, Cause that's not me. That's not my character on this show. So why would I ever do that? Um, but you can feel it coming alive throughout as the night yes. progresses. You can see the people setting up all the firework barges, testing all the mist stuff. And it like it, it, you are definitely there to see a thing and the, you get light towers coming out of the ground. They're testing everything. And um, if you're there to see it, that's, three hours of anticipation that does build up, that does pay off. Yeah. Dan, I, I, I want to address the, that sense of community and to your point, the way you're describing it, it's like going to a concert yes. with your favorite band yes. or whatever. Like you're there, you're there early, <clears throat> you know, that, you know, the band is backstage, you know, there's an opening act that's going on barges across the river you're there at noon, you're there at three o'clock, whatever people set up blankets and you're like, Hey, I'm going to go on pirates real quick. Can you watch my space? Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that sense of community was really there. And that energy, that, that energy that builds over time, the sun goes down. Like you said, everything kind of gets set into place and you're just get ready for this concert. Yeah. Or, and or so, even like, Hey, I'm going to go get a bread bowl of chowder. Do you want anything to like the people right, that you exactly. just met, you know? Right. And it's not and the so only way to see it either. There are later shows that you like can get there just before, but this was a this this was a feature, not a flaw, for the nine o'clock right. show. Right, and then the, 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 to your point, there's the hacks for the ten thirty show. Yeah. You wait for that first show to end, and as there you start on the other side of the the exodus, and as they're walking out, you're walking in behind them, and you take your spot, or just shove right? your way in and don't care who you step on. That was my <laughs> method. That's right. Not that you ever uh, did but that. The sweepers. And and also, so that sense of community, that sense of energy, that it's it's it almost feels more organic. You know that there's a thing that's going to start, but it's it's organic because you're sitting on the ground that you were walking on all day. And then it, to the to the point earlier, you know that that island I was walking on earlier has come to life, and that boat that I rode on earlier now has all my favorite characters on it. And 
anyway, I, I won't make any commentary on the Disney World equivalent other than there is a showboat, you know, similar to the Mark Twain that's in that show, but I have no, I have no connection to that thing. That's there because it was there at Disneyland and it's there as a showpiece, but I don't have any connection to it. So with the Disney World version, I'm there to go sit and watch a performance as opposed to being a part of an organic experience that's being created all around. And whether you rode so, the Mark Twain during the day or not, whether you rode the Columbia, which I don't know why you would, but whether you rode the Columbia <laughs> during the day or not, <laughs> and whether you went to Tom Sawyer's <laughs> Island or not, it's a thing that has that has existed in your periphery for like the past, I don't know. 10 hours or so you hear the Mark Twain you hear like it, it's 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 something that exists because Disneyland's that very small so you're gonna see the whole thing in like the first three hours anyway um so yeah and and everything that's being said now by the way is all very subjective there's a lot of emotion oh, totally. you know, both Dan totally. and I have a lot of emotional connection to this so I don't want that to necessarily sway the judge but I think just it would we would be remiss if we did not share an emotional connection to this thing and why one might think that this is the superior thing. But yeah, I, I will. Okay. Say. Well, perhaps, and just, perhaps just the jury for, should should sit down for just a minute. <laughs> I'm sitting. I'm sitting. Just, just, just for clarity, I am not. I am not trying to win the argument with this because I'm going to win it in other ways. I think that it's more. I because we're doing a show about a thing that I genuinely love, and I basically gave my freshman and sophomore year to in, in high school um, because I didn't date. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I'm kind of just throwing it out there for the people who also had this experience to say like, yes, I see you, you are recognized. Let's remember this, this thing. Well, and I think what's really interesting about what you and Jimmy are saying too, is this, part about experience. I think that's what makes Disney parks so much different from other theme parks is the fact that you experience it as you're walking. If you're sitting down and you see a gentleman, you know, on a barge setting up fireworks, what are they doing out there? You know, you don't have that connection anywhere else. Um, one thing I will say about, you know, Disney World and being in um, Hollywood Studios is that there is some anticipation because two of the rides are down by the amphitheater. And so as you're walking between those two rides, you know, using your fast passes or not throughout the day and watching, you know, people scream as they fall out of a hotel in an elevator to nowhere, um, you kind of can see the amphitheater, you walk past the sign. So there is a little bit of anticipation there, but you're right. I can't see the guy who's setting up the soundboard. I can't see the guys who are putting, you know, the fireworks together. While there is, you know, some sense of anticipation, I get what you're saying about that sense of community. You know, we're not all getting under our blankets and picking out our favorite spots. We're waiting yeah. until it opens and we're picking our spot on our bench as we sit down <laughs> to watch our show. Which is Now there's something to be said about the fact that while there's no assigned seating, you do have some fast pass opportunities at Hollywood Studios and there is some kind of level of I have my seat. And, you know, I'm not going to get crowded around and I'm not going to like stand up and some little kid's going to whatever or somebody somebody's going to stand up and put their kid on their shoulder. Now I can't see anymore. You know, there's there's a lot of comfort in knowing I have my spot and I can watch this show. Right. Or right? hold up their cell phone and film the whole thing for their YouTube channel that now you've got to watch the show actually through their phone screen because you can't see around them. Not that yeah, that's ever happened to sure. me. 
but but I think to Eric's point, um, in that there could be a lot of conjecture and, and emotional sub- subjectivity to this. Con- so, Fantasmic as a show is in both parks a show about Mickey's dream. But is it fair to say that's kind of where the similarities end mm, anymore? I think so. Before before we we delve any further, I feel like I haven't said enough in this episode. So I'd like to award some points because we have no structure to this episode whatsoever so far. Oh, none. There's um, none. It's fine. That's fine. All right. So, we're we're talking about the initial presentation and the seating. So, my thought <clears throat> on a uh, on the the matter of quality of seating two points to Hollywood Studios <laughs> on the matter of Are you keeping track of these points yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> there we go I wrote it down and everything um, on the matter of anticipation for the show we've got some interesting ideas on both sides but there certainly is a lot more to be said about uh, the the sense of of community. If that's actually a thing that happens to to an introvert who sits on a blanket, where that introvert can then make friends with people around them over chowder, then so be it. That's Mister Introvert and and Mister Chowder, <laughs> Senor Senor Introvert, um, Ms. Chowder. Oh, thank you. We'll go... Make him stay, Merv. <laughs> Four points for... Nice. Whoa. Nice. And I just want to add, since we're still in this segment, uh, you still get that feeling, and I'm not fishing for more points. I'm just doing what I do. Um, it, where you don't have to be sitting there to feel it because it's going on for three hours. So like you're watching this thing build whether you're sitting there watching it build or not. And perhaps that's that's where I'm coming from because I can I can see that and I have been interested in what's going on while getting in line for Big Thunder and going what's everybody sitting over there for yeah and then um, I I waved at you from the the best spot ever for Fantasmic by the rock clearly now continuing the matter of seating available fast passes for for uh, Hollywood Studios. Are there ways to reserve a space in Disneyland? Um, maybe. Hey, Google. <laughs> is there a okay. fast pass for... Play the Google music. Play the Google music. On the website undercovertourist.com, they say, Disneyland offers F-A-S-T-P-A-S-S for Fantasmic, but the park also offers quite a bit of standby viewing. My research has come back conclusive <laughs> that they do, in fact, offer. Fast I wanted passes. to hear what else she said. I'm sure she she'll talk. She doesn't. Google, <laughs> stop! Don't do this to me. Okay. It, you, Google is correct. There, there are fast passes on both coasts. <laughs> no points awarded. <laughs> Uh, or one point awarded for each. Make him stay, Murph. Yeah, there we go. I, I think from here, I think it's kind of just an A-B thing in terms of how they're different. Unless yep. 
I mean, I do have some some facts and figures. I mean, Disneyland doesn't have a sponsor. Disney World is sponsored by Pop Secret, as we discovered. Um, um, that's Pop Secret. Yeah, Pop he's the old guy Secret. who sits in the back. Um, let's see. Eight f- uh, Rivers of America is eight feet at the deepest. It holds 6.16 million gallons of water. Uh, oh, are we already the here? moat at Disney World Hollywood Studios is six feet at the deepest. It holds 1.9 million gallons of water. Um, wait, 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 wait. wait. But, yep. Are we saying that in a size matters argument, Ooh. Disneyland wins? Well, That's I what think, she said. to be fair, <laughs> the, the Rivers of America already existed to be a Rivers of America. Right. So, I mean, I'm not, I mean, sure, if you're going to give me the points, I'm not going to bat them away, but um, I'm listening. No, I guess not. Okay. Um, so, and uh, let's see. I'm taking a drink of water. <laughs> oh, okay. Point, please. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, man. No. Um, let's see. Uh, guest capacity at uh, Disneyland, 9,000. With, uh, and then at Disney World, 6,900 seated plus 300, three, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, 3,000 standing. Yep. So capacity wise, it's not that different, but more people are sitting. So, but but <clears throat> to that point, if I'm seeing the show at Disneyland, I am standing. Oh, well, yeah. Unless you're in the front where you should be like a proper. Fan. <laughs> Right, but everyone's standing at Disneyland, and the view is subject. It's not great, but at the but to be fair, this show is made to like it's it's not necessarily at eye subject, level. What I mean. You know, right? I mean, I get what you're right. saying. I'm not trying to say that it's not an issue. I'm just saying it's not a huge issue. Uh, for Disneyland, Disneyland's efficient use of space. Make him stay, Merv. Hell, that's a yeah. point. But uh, for Hollywood Studios, comparable uh, ability to see the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a point. Um, let's see. It's got um, the light towers for the show rest 26 feet below ground. Basically, someone did this research for me, and I want to make sure that we're I'm getting this out here. Um, it no, uh, Maddie, our new ears up person. Oh, lucky. Right? Oh. Uh, it shoots, Fantasmic at Disneyland shoots 2,400 gallons of water in the air per minute. Guests are 70 feet from the main stage. And I don't know how far they are from the stage at Disney World, but if it looks like they're further, I don't, I don't know. I, that's, that kind of thing can matter because if you don't wait the full three hours after going to Bengal Barbecue to get both the be- the spicy beef and the vegetables, and then you go to the locker to get the red tartan uh, um, blanket that you have called your phantasmic blanket, if you don't do these things to sit in the front center and wait for three hours um, while the rest of your party goes to ride space mountain and you just, you tell them you'll be thankful if you don't do that. So, <laughs> I, I think we, we, we've skipped to the end, um, but yes. So to that point, if you're at the furthest most point watching at Disneyland, you're what 
on the bridge over pirates? Um, if we want to say apt, well, ironically, actual furthest would be in the balcony that you pay for, um, right. which is not yes. a good place to see it. I, I, cause I, I have just saying, um, uh, At the former Disney gallery, now the mega expensive yeah, dining location. Yeah. Right. Um, or Club 33 for that matter. But, but yeah. But yes, the point yeah, is yeah. that at the amphitheater at Hollywood Studios, that some of those seats, especially the standing room seats, are pretty far from the stage. Mm. Oh, yeah. And you're way in the back. I mean, if you're standing, you're way back there and you're, or you're on the side standing. And like you were talking about earlier, you know, sometimes you can't see the mist screens. I mean, if you're standing, it, it you're there for the experience. And like you said, you're not seeing the eye level show. Right. So, so going back to the show itself and I guess fundamentally what we're arguing, because again, the rest is somewhat subjective to your point, Dan, let's go, let's go AB. Let's talk about the show. What happens? I believe they both open the same way. Yes. It's welcome to Fen. Wait, I already did that. Um, yeah. But that, that's the same opening of both, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yep. right, right, right. And then what happens at Disneyland? Well, what happens at Disneyland is you hear um, you hear music playing very, very softly. Um, I'm going to assume everyone listening to this has already seen the show and is familiar with the soundtrack. Um, but some of us might have it in their head forever. Um, anyway, Red Tartan Blanket. Uh, so the... Um, <laughs> At the beginning of the show, you can see projection mapping, which they recently added, um, kind of leading to a space on the island. The island is slowly um, – there's little magical lines. You've seen cartoons. Um, And they all – everything goes dark and then suddenly you hear this big booming sound and Mickey Mouse appears where all of the sparkly magic things uh, have led to and a bunch of voices of the recent dead sing imagination. <laughs> Is that just me? <laughs> but I wonder <laughs> so the, like, what? the original name of the show was imagination. Right. Do you think they, they, they wrote times, that yeah. part of the oh, show? Without a doubt. Without it? a doubt. Like, and by the way, Barnett Ritchie, um, wrote the the entire script and the music is by Bruce Healy. Same yes. guy who did Illuminations. Um right. First one. Right. Um and make so it's it's kind of a sense of Mickey being created by the ether. And then at this point the island is truly transformed into this magical place with uh projection map- mapping, light towers, Mickey is uh Hopping around, controlling these these uh, fountains that are fully illuminated by multiple sources of light, because across the street you see they have this thing called World of Color, and they couldn't just say like water. <laughs> Instead, they which they did for a few years, and then they were like, "Uh oh, we just made more work for ourselves." And but they did the work, and they made the the fountains more like a world of color situation where they're using the leftover mist in the sky to to project things and um yeah what about the projection mapping at uh, Disney World what's that like um it's a little different because we have okay. a 50 foot mountain so yeah, what's the mountain our, supposed to be it's a mountain it's the fourth highest mountain in Walt Disney World 
Ooh. What a waste. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, I'm yeah, gonna so I'm gonna in unintentionally and intentionally be a douche on this episode, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, the the mountain. So ultimately, this is a. I imagine it's a facade, and it's there yes. to cover up the backstage, of course, for all the things that yeah. happen, right? But is there a story behind the mountain, to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. Um, I, I think it's more to um, handle what happens towards the end of the show, and probably house. 78 costumes, 26 characters. I mean, so much goes on during this show. It's amazing. So I'm sure there is a lot going on back there. And it takes a big facade to hide and not just a cherry picker with a dragon head on it. I'm curious, before the show, do they feature a live band? Um, They didn't when I saw it. From my remembrance it is uh generally canned music um yeah yeah yeah. well then i need to say that in case you weren't in case you weren't aware before each show and this might have changed but i don't think it has um they have the side street strutters jazz band on a mark uh not mark twain the other guy on a uh tom sawyer's island raft playing Mm -hmm live Dixieland jazz music, or at least it was at some point. I'm sure they still have live entertainment, but they might have changed the type. Nope, we have canned music seats in the wave. Make him stay, Merv. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. How many? How many? Some. <laughs> Just one. It's not that impactful, but it's cool. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm um, just going to start Garrett. I mean, you want me to start like throwing points around. Well then, wow. Uh, a, a, a well-constructed theater that includes a 50-foot mountain. <laughs> oh, wow. What's the mountain? 75 points. <laughs> is it is it Bald Mountain, do you think? Ah, could be Bald Mountain. We see him too, Chernabog and Yep, we do see some of that too. But we have this mapping, we have Mickey Mouse, the music starts slow. It is the same. Um there are a couple of changes. We haven't gotten into some of the sequencing of how the um animation is projected, but there are just some slight differences when that piece of it starts. I have a legitimate question about the Hollywood Studios Fantasmic, and it's going to sound like I'm doing the thing that I usually do. And I partially am, but it's also a legitimate question. Why is it a water show at at Hollywood Studios? What? Like, it doesn't have to be. It can be, they could have, they could have, eas- they could have just done Fantasmic. It's a similar thing, but we don't have to be limited by this water idea. They could have. Well, you're right. They did a really good job of creating uh, a, a, an environment that can support a water show without having that infrastructure placed in the first place. Well, <laughs> oh, dang. Wow. Well, don't you think there's Daniel, some nostalgia there, too? I mean, if we're going to do this thing that we're going to put in two places, name the same, and you're talking about that sense of community, and if a Californian with their annual pass and their string bags and their matching tennis shoes and stickers come to Florida and go see this thing that is in their park. I would think they'd want it to be a similar experience, if not better. So, cause they can sit down. Maybe I'm just saying, I'm just saying from like a pure creative point of view and it it seems limiting for them to say, I I get the idea. We want to have a phantasmic, but 
I don't know why they're limited to it being specifically there's nothing in the show that is like hey look now it's a water show well but i mean Dan, the story this is this is just like any other attraction think pirates think right star tours everything it's like we have it here this is what it is we're gonna bring it over here this is what it is right and and I disagree that water is very much a part of this show with the water screens. That's the whole freaking technology we talked about. It's a hundred percent a part of this show, but the, the so sh- they recreated the it. Show- they recreated the show where they're not going to do it on the rivers of America in Orlando because they have the space. So they're going to build this thing. They're going to replicate this thing. They replicated it. We've already talked about it. We talked about the seating. We talked about everything else. So right. beyond that, there's a show what happens in the show, what's different, what's better. Okay. All right. Well, and in two separate parts of the show, they have um, the part of Fantasia with the Sorcerer's Apprentice, where they mm-hmm. have the book and the brooms and the buckets of water that kind of shows rears its head in a couple of different places. So I do think that water, whether they meant to do it that way or not, you know, I'm not, the, look, the projections I'm not are in bubbles. And, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying it as a criticism at all. I'm just, it was just a, it was just a, an actual thought that I had while I was watching it where I, I'm thinking like, okay, well, if they were to run with this idea of like the premise of the show rather than the technology of it and could like free themselves of that, I think they, I think it would, I'm just think as somebody who likes to see people take creative risks, I think it would be interesting if they were to be, and again, this is not a criticism. It's just a thought. Um, if I think it would be really interesting if they would have looked at it and gone like, okay, well, what's our that, you know? Well, but I, but at the same time, again, I'm going to go back to pirates. Why is there a water flume at pirates in Florida? They're not having to try to get under a berm. That's because that's what it is. At Disneyland. Because pirates are on boats. <laughs> But they don't go down a flume. They go down a flume in Orlando because they go down a flume in in Anaheim. That's the point. So they have this thing. They have this technology. So they recreated the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So so I I get the question. I get that it's a legitimate question. And yes, there's any number of what ifs. But the same question is there's a riverboat on the Fantasmic in Florida, why is there a Mark Twain riverboat? Because there's one in California. Right. That's what it is. They recreated all, all I'm saying, and I don't want to spend any more time on this, all I'm saying is that it didn't necessarily need to be like as much of a copy and paste job as it, it, I understand why it was. I understand that that's just the nature of what we're dealing with, but I think it would be, it would have been interesting if they could have said, hey, we have all this space. What if we make this into just this amazing actual like indoor live stage sure. experience or whatever. Like what if they just went like, okay, let's make this still phantasmic, but we're just going to use the idea of it's a dream and things are morphing into each other. And it has like multimedia stuff. And they did it in front of the castle on main street in Orlando. They, they've replicated this story right. many, many yeah. times. Um, but to, to that point, uh, for me, when I first saw, so I, I know Fantasmic in Anaheim, arguably as well as you do, just just from my time working there, whatever. So you worked at Disney? having <laughs> having seen <laughs> having seen this show a thousand times and know it. By the way, Jeremy uh, from Spectral Radio, I was training for marathons, and and he suggested that when you're doing long runs, like 10, 12 mile runs. Put on a nighttime spectacular because it's like, mm. that's, you know, that's like 20, 30 minutes yep. of your time. And that's, you know, depending on how fast you're running, that's a couple of, a couple, three, four miles. 
And that takes a big chunk of time. So I listen to Fantasmic like multiple times a week because it gets, you know, gets through the time. Anyway, so knowing that show the way I do, as well as I do, when it comes to, for the most part, the version in Orlando that I saw or that I've seen multiple times is like the first part of the show, let's say act one Mm -hmm. is basically the same. I would agree. And then it comes, and then it comes to the, 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 the part where it was Peter Pan and like this big bang, you know, the cannon goes off and, and then it's, you know, the Peter Pan music and, and then I go to Orlando and watch it. And then just in that part comes, it's like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> it's Pocahontas. Yeah. Pocahontas wait, what? what? <laughs> well, what? And, and before that too, if we're going to talk. And it's long. It oh, is. Yeah, it's it's long. long. You're well, right. If we're going to, if we're going to talk about differences, I want to throw in before that, um, the jungle scene at Hollywood Studios to me feels like a bit of a throwaway. Uh, but what they do for the jungle scene at Disneyland is the entire, because again, projection mapping, the entire island becomes a jungle and they merge it with uh, the Lion King. But then they don't, oh, and they have uh, people replicating a flower. They have Ka. There's some, there's some similarities, of course, to uh-huh. Disney World. But then at Disney World, it turns into a sizzle reel of every single character they've ever had in bubble form. It sure does. Every villain. Well, and every villain comes later. But right. It, but they do yeah. have little snippets of a ton of movies, and it is different. I mean, they even have Tangled and The Princess and the Frog, and, you know, not just the standard, if you can use that. Um, I mean, Hercules, Frozen, they're all in there. Yep, I agree. But that's that's product placement, Absolutely. Right? That's, that's less about story impact, more about product placement? Well, right. But but to me, to me, this is where the, the dream logic starts to fall apart, and it just becomes like, hey, it's Disney. Okay. Yes. Well... I was sorry, I was thinking. I don't know that it did that for me, though. I think it was still the music is going. It's still the continuity. I mean, you're just seeing like blips and bloops. And isn't that what dreams are? Are pieces and parts of your life put together in different ways. So why would Mickey's dream be any different? It wouldn't be, you know, lion, cubs, father goes to water, be wildebeest and gets trampled and, you know, uncle tries to take over. That's not what it's going to be. It's going to be bits and pieces of all of these happy times, happy movies in his life. So well, that's, that's how it felt to me. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah. Your attention, please. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Let's take a break from the action for just a minute here. I'm excited to welcome this week's guest. Reprising his role from our last episode, I'm honored to welcome the president of the Disneyland Resort, Ken Potrock. Thanks for being here, Ken. We are incredibly honored because you've played such an important part in the history of the Disneyland Resort. Wow. Uh, thank, thank you. I had no idea you were a fan. That's, that's incredible. Uh, so you probably heard our last episode about the Disneyland annual passport cancellation. Sunsetting. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, that sunsetting. I, I know you prefer that term based on the letter you personally sent to me, a now legacy pass holder. Uh, now that you've done away with our passes, what are you working on next? We plan to use this time sunsetting the current consumer insights. That, that's oh okay, uh, sure. Uh, forget consumer insights. Don't need them. Uh, maybe it's time you took a vacation, Ken. Uh, where would you like to go? Embark on membership offerings that will utilize consumer insights when the time is right due to the continued uncertainty. 
sounds like you want to take those consumer insights and head right to Walt Disney World, right? There's nothing stopping you. For nearly four decades, pandemic and... Hey, 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 yeah, listen, I've got you covered. You're not alone with these anxieties. I know that pass holders who are just as anxious. It's okay, Ken. We all are. This pandemic has been rough, but you know who has pandemic travel figured out? Our friends at Concierge. Yes, those intrepid travel planners have even gone so far as to take their own trips to Walt Disney World to get a sense of how it feels to be there. Check out our blog for tips on mask wearing and getting around the parks during these confusing times. As always, uh, Concierge will still wait on hold for you, making reservations for hotels, parking, and dining. They have the expertise you need. Flexibility and value for our biggest pass holders. <laughs> yes, you get it, right? We plan to use this time sunsetting the current consumer insights. Uh, yeah, exactly. You, you have your own plans right now. Let Concy Ears do the work of travel planning for you. We plan to use this time embark. Yes, embark on a fantastic voyage. Disney Cruise Line will start offering cruises later this year as well. Uh, imagine sitting on your own stateroom balcony watching the sunsetting. Yeah. Yeah, sunsetting. Sun sunsetting. Sunsetting. What? Daisy, Daisy. Ken. Give me your Are, are you? Is that are you, are you, you okay? New Bob. Ken? Hello. Ken, what are you doing? New Bob. No. No. New Bob. Christie's Christie's adding a, a different facet to this. It, which is more effective as a dream mechanism, the immersion or the the shovel of IP? That that was the way I was originally looking at it. But if the shovel of IP still feels still has a dreamlike quality, I'm having trouble well, uh, separating the two. So there's such a thing as good surrealism and bad surrealism, and good surrealism you actually kind of get to see a connection rather than it just being like a, I don't know, it's random. Here's, let me just pour out a bucket of characters. Um, and I, I feel like to, to me, aside from the presentational aspects, one of the biggest differences, and I, I'm realizing now this is going to be a very difficult argument for me to make clearly. Um, but I feel very strongly about it, so hopefully I can do that. Um, you can see the connections because you have – you go from, you know, everything goes all splody like and then you have the flowers. It's a very surreal Mandela effect kind of thing. Petals on the stage. Fountains are going. It's a nice slow moment that leads to a bigger, more – exciting moment with the jungle jungle things and the lion king island becomes a jungle there's mist all over the river and then we go into pink elephants mm -hmm. because there's a connection to elephants and by the way 
Pink Elephants in Dumbo is from a dream sequence. Correct. So we're bringing things. So we're bringing things in, but it's not just like and you love Elsa and you love Tony from this other movie and you love Buzz. It's it's like there's actually a point to it. I I I have a ruling. I'm going to rule in favor of of uh, more dreamlike, immersive, surreal storytelling versus the crowd pleasing effects of. All of your favorites in one. Make him stay, Merv. Which is what World of Color is. Right. And to be fair, if all of that IP existed, and by the way, Rapunzel is in Disneyland's Phantasmic now. Right, but there's a connection. All, we get that. We, sure, get, we, it, we earn her being there. How's that? Just from my own knowledge. In the princess segment? Versus Cinderella. Yeah, well, versus what I'm saying is that it's not it's not that Rapunzel exists in the other, it's how we get there. It's it, and again, I'm I'm leaning on that idea of of dream logic where um you can at least on a subconscious level accept that this is the next thing rather than it just being like right. I guess it's a cavalcade of stars now. I wonder if all of that IP existed in 1992, if we wouldn't have all of those villains and all of those princesses and all of those characters show I up. I think we're looking at a storytelling technique, and I think that if they did that, it would have been... Because th- this isn't a bug in it. This is someone. This is this is a thing that was created by a singular vision. Whereas I get the feeling from Hollywood Studios that it's it was kind of built by committee or by AI. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I and I appreciate your con- your comment about World of Color. However, World of Color, what I one thing that I do like about that, and I'm going to sound a little bit contradictory, but I don't think I am, is that there is no story. So they can just throw yeah. whatever at you. So it does become just spectacle. Okay, you got your point. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to make it clear I that get it, I get it. There's passion. Can't argue with passion. Right. Red target. Let's move on to the next phase. Are we are we clear to enter the nightmare phase? Um well before the nightmare phase at Disneyland, by the way, I keep talking about dream logic. There's a improv style called JTS Brown. If you're, if anyone's interested, they do a lot of that. Um, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Thomas, Thomas Brown, yes. Brown. Brown. Um, so the pink pink elephants happen, and then that's where the Pinocchio segment would have happened, and everyone goes ooh. And then there's a segment with the genie, where uh, the genie is basically putting uh, Mickey Mouse in the Aladdin role and they're using the mist screens to show all of his transformations and he's floating around, he's flying around. They have, uh, uh, again, uh, projection mapping. So the, the island, it, it becomes two different levels that the genie can use to mess around with Mickey kind of going like, Hey, let's, I'm a magic guy. You're a magic guy too. Let's, let's, here's all the things you can do with magic. Um, then we go underwater <laughs> and I'm waiting for the stuff that happens at Disney World, at the Hollywood studio. Yes. So at Disney world, Hollywood studios, um, we have 
kind of a bubble montage. It's really kind of cool. Um, it, it's more of that character dump that you were talking about, but, um, you see each of these iconic moments in these movies in bubbles and as they're popping. Um, and then when those are done, Jiminy Cricket and Monstro come out of the montage and, um, it turns to the Fantasia sequence where Mickey is the sorcerer's apprentice and is still overwhelmed with the water and the levels getting higher. And then we get ready to not mm-hmm. go underwater, but mm-hmm. we're going up the mountain. So the, the version at Disneyland is, uh, after the, the, the genie segment, he kind of plunges Mickey into a bunch of water, which is awesome. And, um, we transition to Mickey being underwater and they have a lot of new animation in this. Uh, they, we see the little mermaid, which kind of ties into Ursula coming in later. Um, and then we use that to transition to some Nemo stuff, the fish from Fantasia. Um, I'll say it sexy fish from Fantasia, um, does her little dance. And then we go to Pinocchio with Jiminy Cricket and Monstro because we're already underwater. Right. And then different things happen. Very different. Chrissy, I, f- I, I feel like I'm talking too much. You you, you go first. So um, as the monstro scene ends, we come back to our battle on the mountain. And you see um, Governor Ratcliffe and the Englishman settlers on the stage. And they're singing. And then you watch as John Smith crawls up his side of the mountain. He scales the mountain, fourth largest in Walt Disney World. And as he approaches um, the top of the mountain, a Native American warrior um, starts to come up behind him and flash to the other side of the stage. And there's Pocahontas and we start to hear colors of the wind. And it's really cool because the mist screens... Um, have oh who's the lady who does um mother earth's voice i'm gonna kick Angela myself Lansbury. when i read it Ricci. yes um it's amazing because she's on the screens and the stage goes black and so you're kind of now back in that dream sequence of singing trees and a beautiful song so it's really cool so this is mickey mouse's dream but how can Mickey Mouse leave out the greatest action hero of our times, John Smith? <laughs> I have, I, and Pocahontas. I have another, Come on now. I have another, I have another Hunt, related. Hunt is grandmother Willow. I have another related question. You. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Why is Mickey dreaming about historical events? Um, I don't judge what people dream about. I mean, why do people dream about being in front of their you know, high school English class with no pants on? I mean, it dream just, what you it, want. So... I don't love the, the the so at Disneyland they used to go straight to a Peter Pan scene that was weird and awkward but it was cool cuz they used the Columbia and again it's that feeling of like oh I didn't ride that thing cuz it looks really boring and I'm correct but it looks cool um and so they do that they get they change it to Pirates of the Caribbean and I don't love that choice but it does have a lot of energy um, you do still get to see the the boat going by. Uh, there's again projection mapping turns Tom Sawyer's Island into an ocean backdrop. Water cannons are launched into the air from the water. Um, 
So you can get little droplets of Rivers of America in your mouth, which is, I'm sure, very good for you. And um, I don't know what's happening in that sequence because none of it makes sense. It looks cool, um, but it's not Pocahontas and it's, it's not – I don't feel like I'm suddenly watching a stage play now. Right. Well, you will when it turns to the nightmare phase, right? <laughs> well, How was that for a segue? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> sold it. Okay, it should get a now, point it, for best segue. <laughs> so the, the judging this particular this particular segment, I am, I mean, I'm intrigued about guy climbing mountain, but a pirate ship floating by, whether it's Peter Pan or or Jack Sparrow, I, I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty intriguing as far as the set piece is concerned. I'm I, I'm inclined to give the point to Disneyland unless the uh, defense has. Has a particular statement about the mountain? <laughs> Fourth largest in okay. Walt Disney World. <laughs> um, yeah, I. So, I guess, I guess, if anything, it's good use of things at Disneyland. Um, I really wish they didn't change it from Peter Pan because, well, first of all, Johnny Depp, and second. Um, it just I couldn't tell you what's happening on that ship, but it looks cool. So yeah, um, okay. Yeah, so we're at we're at the nightmare now. We are well and I before hear a great segue. Before we get to the nightmare, right? We have to get to the dream. Um, when are we going to get to the nightmare? <laughs> so after the pirate ship goes off and does more f- embarrassing things to Johnny Depp's career, um, a we get a very, very brief appearance of Aladdin and Jasmine on carpet, who, by the way, is a character in the movie. And it, it, this connects, again, to that dream logic thing. This connects to Genie have, having just appeared. There's a connection. Um, and Aladdin and Jasmine, it, at least one of them is a princess. So that leads us into our princess segment, which features... Lady in the Tramp. No. Um, <laughs> Harry. Oh, Harry Poro. Life-size squirrels dancing to Together Time. Um, oh, no. Features, uh, uh, why can't I think of that movie? <laughs> the Little Mermaid. Wow. Um, Little Mermaid. Uh, Beauty, Beauty and, the, and Beast, the Beast. Tangled. There we and go. Then... Um, this leads into a very nice transition where the magic mirror and Mickey have a conversation about the magic mirror wanting to tempt Mickey into going deeper into his magical powers. Now the connection used to be really clear because it was um, Snow White leading into the queen. But here we have the magic mirror who is connected. I, I, Granted, loosely, but he is connected to a princess, and then him leading to the the now the witch in this version um, could work really well as a logical setting of a trap. There is a reason why, like Mickey, is lulled into this passive place because of all the princess stuff. And at this, at that point, that's when we can imagine that the Wicked Witch is saying, like, okay, go get him now. Hmm. Yeah, and we have the same thing. Um, we do it with floats. 
we have three floats that come through after um, John Smith scales the fourth largest mountain in Walt Disney World. Um, and we have Cinderella and Prince Charming. We have Beauty and the Beast. We have Aladdin and Jasmine. And they're all on really nicely decorated floats. And their songs mm-hmm. are playing. They're dancing. Actually, Belle and the Beast actually do their little ballroom dance, her yellow dress giant beast in, you know, a very strangely colonial tux. Um, but then the same thing happens when the floats leave. There's the queen on the stage and she starts to cast her spell. And that's when the magic mirror pops up and does the exact same thing. Starts to talk to Mickey about maybe, maybe we need to go a different direction. Um, yeah. So yeah, I do miss the transformation scene from Disneyland, uh, but I, I really, really like the that there's a connection, mm-hmm. and I don't see the connection at Hollywood Studios from the characters that were there before to all of a sudden here's the queen. But the I'm not saying the princesses to the queen to the mirror, right. Hmm. I mean, there used to be, hmm. it used to be Snow White. And I'm just wondering why it's not. Uh, they unfortunately didn't consult me when they made that change. <laughs> um, I'm sure that was lost. They lost my email address. Right. Um, right. Cause it's really critical. <laughs> yeah. Right. Christina can gmail.com. Um, but they can follow up with me and I'd love to see it go back to Snow White. Cause that's one of my favorite Disney movies. And, um, but princesses, you know, being kind of quieted down by the princesses, seeing them do the ballroom dance and then going right back to the queen and her mirror and kind of having the mirror make that conversation with Mickey. It's just, it's a really interesting way to transition into the darker part of his dream. Yeah. No, I, I mean, as a transition moment, it works in it works. both places <laughs> and I'm not going to get too nitpicky. It's just since we're talking about it, it's a thing I noticed. Okay. I'm going to do, I, I, I'm going to, because I, I can't quite make a, a complete ruling on this. I'm going to give a point to the jury to uh, administer at the end. <laughs> I'm going to take one of those. Point taken. All right. All right. Moving okay. on. Okay. Okay. So at Disneyland, then we get um, uh, the Wicked Queen talks about, first of all, the magic mirror introduces the idea of, hey, this is a dream again, um, in case you forgot. And the the queen says, hey, we're going to take over Mickey Mouse's mind because we're evil. And that's what evil people do. And so we see her, Ursula, Chernabog, and um, then Maleficent. Nope. Just those four. We just, and, that is, and each one has a segment. And it's, all, it's very nice. You get a whole segment with Ursula. And you get to see Ursula dance around and... What about Frodo? No, no, there's no Frodo. reason. No, Frodo. there's no, no reason for that. First of all, he doesn't have magic. And so why would he be here? That'd be crazy. I don't know. Did you ever see Hellfire? Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a hallucination. Um, Dream perhaps. Dan? Okay. Well, uh, so you get a full segment Dream with logic. Ursula continuing to talk about the plot and what they're going to do to Mickey's mind. And then we get Chernabog from Nine and Bald Mountain for a full segment of Nine and Bald Mountain where all the ghosts and ghoulies fly around through with wonderful surround sound and projection mapping. And um, a lot of this is on the mist screens. Um, 
And then they don't include any other uh, villains other than Maleficent, who leads us to our uh, finale of sorts. And they don't morph into each other weirdly, using technology that would have looked embarrassing when Disneyland opened Phantasmic in 1992. One thing that I'd like to address with the group as the jury, <laughs> uh, and I, I didn't cue it up, and I meant to send the audio file to Eric, so I apologize, and I will change subjects very quickly if I'm the only one. Ursula will take matters into her own blank. Tentacles. Right. My wife and several other people that I'm aware of uh, do not believe she says tentacles. Testicles? Is that what they think? <laughs> they think that's what they think huh. she says. <laughs> huh. I think it's because there's a symbol crash or something while she's saying tentacles, so it sounds... Like testicles? No, I think, like I think it's because, if I remember correctly, in that moment in the animation, you see those hands come out. So maybe they're associating that like the full moment and not just the audio. Yeah. It's the audio. No, no. I mean like, I think maybe they're remembering the, the entirety of the thing and they're thinking like part of their brain is thinking like, and this is the part where the hands come out and they think that she's saying testicles because hands would. And <laughs> it's just me. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> Fun facts with Jimmy. Yes. Well, at Hollywood Studios, we have a few more um, friends, in air quotes, who come and um, turn Mickey's dream from princesses and happiness into a nightmare. We actually see Ursula and Cruella and Scar and Claude Frollo. And it really – it's a great transition spot because – it takes you Great. into some of the darker parts of the movie and it reminded of for me what it really reminded me is that every disney movie well almost every disney movie has this dark and light part of it and if i were mickey mouse and i were having a dream wouldn't you need both because you need the villain to understand all of the great so I don't know. It's just a really cool part. And they all have their own little segment on the mist screens. And then... Okay, let's be fair, though. By segment, we're really talking about... They kind of say, hi, I'm here, too. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's a segment. I mean, they come up... We have more. They can't get a 15-minute dissertation. They get that in the movie. Yeah, okay. There is an awful lot of maniacal laughter. Oh, a There's, lot. A, a There's lot. a lot. And, and they take turns. Um, and this was the late 90s when it came out where uh, villains was like the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that was yeah. that was huge. Yeah. Well, it is it is a parade of too many villains, I think. Um, it's just the right number I, of villains. I think we have plenty. And I think that the ones at Disneyland all have some kind of magic powers associated with them. Cruella DeVille does not, unless you count dogs or puppies. Scar is a lion. No magic there. Frollo, maybe. But I... Jimmy, are you just watching the show? (laughs) Jimmy Jimmy, Jimmy checked out the jury's (laughs) done. I didn't realize I wasn't on mute. (laughs) 
<laughs> but who is more cruel than a woman who wants to skin dogs to make a coat? I, I, I mean, mean, if she's not the villain in 101 Dalmatians, then who is? Yeah. I, I mean, her name is spelled D-E-V-I-L. Yeah. Uh, this is another quantity versus quality, potentially. Um, I, I mean... But I mean, it is a really, it, it really does showcase like that darker side of the Disney movie. And I really like that it isn't all just, you know, happy songs and, yeah, you know, I'm not, roses. I, and I really like that part of it. I, uh, I'm in no way arguing that more villains means more scary or more darkness. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think if anything, it takes away from the, the impact of these are characters and they actually there's there's actually some motivation here something's happening other than just like all right now these five to 17 villains are all just going to become a dragon or well, a snake it, or whatever right and it's interesting you say that when i went and i looked at um like review websites um i'm not a parent i don't have kids my kids meow and eat you know food out of a bag but there were parents on there who said um, there were some very scary parts of this show and you should really, if your kids have a difficult time, like with Hunchback of Notre Dame and, you know, Maleficent as a dragon, this may not be the show for you. And I hadn't thought of it from that perspective because I don't have that perspective. So it's mm-hmm. interesting that you're saying, you know, you thought maybe this was just a parade of villains in this spot because it may make this show for some of our smaller listeners we listeners, Period. parents of listeners, um, they might want to think about this might not, this might be a skipper until they're a little older. Yeah. And well, I would, I would argue that having a full several minute segment of each of them exposing their plan individually is more menacing than just this one now. Eric, semantics, Dan, semantics. Yeah. So we're we're back to the same we're back to that same argument now. Um, are we are are we getting more out of having more villains there, or are we getting more out of having a slightly more intimate experience with with a smaller amount of villains? It's difficult for me because in both cases it's very consistent with the rest of the show. So I'm going to call this one a wash. Hmm. Um, I because hmm. really. It, I perhaps overall I would prefer the the Disneyland experience, but um, staying consistent with the you know, I feel like I need to acknowledge that uh, the the Hollywood Studios experience is at least consistent with the rest of it, where they're saying here are more princesses, here are more characters. You're yeah, here I I, I get that. I, I I think that's a fair judgment because it is it it's consistent within itself. Yeah, and it's also going to be consistent with the Epcot show, which is going to be all IP. And, uh, you know, it's just the direction in which Disney parks are going. And and the the audience is watching it. Yeah, exactly. And they want it. I mean, think about Animal Kingdom. They did Rivers of Light. Where are the characters? That was the point of the show, but I think that was its biggest flaw. And, And one might argue about the tree of life that comes to life like... That, that the reason people are going to these parks is for these characters. So I think Fantasmic at Disneyland in a snapshot in time does what it needed to do at the time. And I think it's evolved as well. And it, it has not necessarily acquiesced to that additional, additional IP just for the sake of IP. Right, Dan, is that what you're well, saying? Y- y- 
I'm just saying that I think that, again, this goes to Disneyland's Fantasmic really being about story and having characters fit where they fit rather than it being, well, this spreadsheet says that kids age 10 to 13 want to see this villain. And then like, sure. But so to you, but to your point, it's like, it's Mickey's dream. Where does a historical thing like Pocahontas, which I mean, call it historically accurate, quote unquote. Thank you. You know, but (laughs) well, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm using, I'm using the company's own description of it. That's, that's, you know what I mean? But, but, but I think you made the argument that, Peter or that Pocahontas being a historical character, where does that fit into to Mickey Mouse's yeah. dream? Where does Peter Pan fit in his dream outside of the fact that Peter Pan is more of a, a fantastical, uh, you know, right. fiction, right? I just feel like if he's, if he's dreaming about, so letting go of the argument of whether Pocahontas is accurately history or not, it's not, but I'm saying within, within <laughs> the logic of this, company we're gonna we're gonna go with them and say okay fine disney it's it's actual history um like somebody who's dreaming about this i feel like is also going to dream about doing their taxes and i don't want to see that person's dream where the this one it's like okay well it, it it is shoehorned i mean i i admit that but at least in in the case of peter pan and i guess kind of pirates of the caribbean because pirates um it at least makes sense that there's a fantasy. There's still a fantasy element clearly present. These are pirates that come, the dead pirates that come to life in the moonlight, you know? Right. I think that's the moment for me again, I'm going to take a step backwards, but having grown up with the show and knowing that the way I did, it, it's that moment that Pocahontas moment is like, well, wait, what? <laughs> and that that's, it just took me out because it just doesn't fit. It just didn't make sense in the, in the sequence of dream and the sequence of everything else. I mean, I guess he could be dreaming about Pocahontas, this movie that just came out. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I, don't, I don't know. That's where it, that's I think where it took. Yeah. And I think also it's, it's kind of hard to recover from that moment. Agreed. I totally agree. Well, um, Mickey Mouse is very in tune with the company and its offerings. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's move it on forward to the next uh, to the, to the fun, final, as they call it. Yes. <laughs> the final. Yes. Are we going to talk about a Disney World where Mickey walks on water? He doesn't walk on water. It's just a name. Well, originally he was going to walk on mm. water. It's a name of the track yeah. on the soundtrack. Yeah, he was yeah. going to walk in water, and um, it wasn't safe. But primarily where the boats and floats go, the water's only 18 inches. It is six feet, like in the middle. Um, but so if somebody, I don't know if somebody should get sick of this podcast and throw us all off, you know, the boat, um, we'd be standing in 18 inches of water. So, and I think it's as shallow as like six inches off of the stage, but not very far. So he doesn't walk on water. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so we get into the, the final, the final. Um, and we have, you know, again, whether you want more villains or less, it's kind of whatever you're watching the show that you're watching. Maleficent appears all of a sudden. And as she is scowling at Mickey and saying words, thorns appear on the Island again, projection mapping. Um, 
and she says, now you will deal with me and all the power of my testicles. And um, then uh, a giant belching of fire and she starts to grow, grow, grow like the thing that she does in the movie. I had something and I lost it. Dragon. 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 Thank you. And she transforms. She transforms into a glorious dragon that is no longer a mere dragon's head on top of a pipe held by two (laughs) off-duty popcorn vendors waving their mom's (laughs) drapes in the air for wings. You mean pop secret? Yeah, eating pop secret and huffing that sweet, sweet uh, coffee creamer. Yes, it's a fully articulated, fully animatronic dragon known as Murphy. And it's called Murphy because that thing... So they they forever tried to get a dragon that actually looked like a dragon. And they finally said, just like they should have with the Yeti, said, we're going to fix this because it's unacceptable. And they took so much time and trial and error. This new dragon looks awesome. It looked awesome, but it didn't work for so, so long. It missed the entire season that they promoted it and everyone was a buzz about murphy and then one day on september 1st eric i think you have the clip i'm ready oh i'm ready you can hear everyone again sense of community lose their thing i'm not gonna say s word lose their yes that (laughs) word sausage Lose their tentacles. (laughs) These are grown-ass adults applauding for a robot. And I'm not saying that in a critical way. And the fire eventually worked, but not that night. Um... So Murphy, uh, Bell. Oh, because of Murphy's law. Because of Murphy's law, exactly. Uh, Anything. They- thank you. <laughs> so that's how long you were waiting for it. Yes. <laughs> I could tell by the way you said thank you. Um, <laughs> Murphy belches fire into the rivers of America, which might be flammable without any sort of thing added to it, but they pump in a flammable liquid or gas to, just so, so no one's concerned that, oh no, it was actually flammable. Uh, anyway, I think that's funny. Um, so they set the fire ablaze. They set the, uh, the, the rivers of America ablaze. And then Mickey Mouse, dressed in the brave little tailor, uses his scissors as a weapon and he says to murphy hey you i don't like this so much and get your damn hands <laughs> off <laughs> so then there's all sorts of fire and he he shoots his magic laser beams and again projection mapping everything goes nuts so many fireworks by the way there are plenty of fireworks throughout the show um to accentuate what's happening and we see the villains that we were introduced to which there are four 
they all dissolve into the magical hurricane of madness and the fire goes out because it's magic and not because Mickey Mouse is a fire extinguisher person. Um, and then the whole thing explodes and I'm not joking. It's intense because you kind of are not sure if Mickey survived. <laughs> Man. Okay, well, is there a Murphy on the East Coast? Well, we don't call her that. We just call her Maleficent because she always worked. So Ooh. so we're just going to go oh. with um, the missed screens. Maleficent is on stage. Um, she starts her amazing cackle. And the missed screens come up and they um, begin her transformation. And when the missed screens die down, we have... Maleficent as no longer a black fairy, but as her dragon on the stage. And she too lights the moat on fire with a single firework. Woohoo! But the whole (laughs) moat's on fire. And she always worked. And we didn't need cough creamer. Yeah, because you got a single firework. (laughs) So, um. Okay. (laughs) Mickey Mickey is not, uh, he was uh, Taylor Mickey. At Disneyland, yeah. was it? Yeah. So, but in Disney World, is it? He pulls the sword from the stone. Is that right? He does, but he's still dressed as a tailor. I don't get that part. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of that. It's like Mickey and the Beanstalk. Mickey. Oh yeah, Mickey and the Beanstalk. But he still looks like the tailor to me. That's what he was in Mickey and the Beanstalk. Um, and then his <laughs> sword lights a fire, and he uses his magic to command the water to put out Maleficent's fire. Right, he he takes on firefighting duties. <laughs> nope, doesn't need to. He's Mickey Mouse. He's magic. Dream logic, man. No, this is this is not dream logic. This is oh oh. There's a fire now. Magic no longer exists. I just need to put the I need to put the magic fire out before destroying the magic thing that is connected to the magic fire. It's responsible. And if you've ever seen any of the shows about the magics, you know that they're, they're, they're opposites with the, the elementals, you know, come on, come on. Mm -hmm. on. He's actually, he's, he's directing fountains. (laughs) He's, it's over there. (laughs) That, that fire, put that fire out. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. It does sound an awful lot like we're splitting hairs. Do, do Christy, do you believe that uh, that that little that brave little Taylor is going to die? Um, I do not believe that the Taylor is going to die once he whips out a fire, you know, a sword on fire, and the dragon starts to um, wane. The fire goes out with the magic dancing waters, and we see all of our um, all of our cinematic villains um we get to see all of their demise in our missed screens as well so it's so it's many pretty awesome there are a lot of, there are a, lot. a lot you're welcome i think i think the kid from toy story is in there <laughs> yes and the baby with the the connects legs yeah yeah he's definitely in so. oh and that strawberry bear <laughs> hugs up yeah. Uh, yeah. Hugs a lot. Hugs a lot. Hey, uh, honey, we couldn't get a reservation for La Cellier. You want to try Fantasmic or something? I mean, like, anyway. Um, yes. So 
Um, so Dan is painting a much of, more emotional of, picture. Oh, that's it. I'll, you're right. You're right. It is lots of. Uh, Dan Dan is 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 doing such an effective job of emoting during his presentation. I can't help but feel swept up in the drama of this section. Mm. Um, I you know what I I'm going to have to give a give a, a point to uh, dramatic tension. Will Mickey survive? Mm. Make him stay, Merv. Merv, <laughs> um, so the- does Mickey survive, Dan? No. Horribly <laughs> okay, burned well, to a crisp. <laughs> it just it just um, ends and everybody walks away slowly. Like what just happened? <laughs> and then his life. Die, <laughs> and then a giant projected head of Michael Eisner. <laughs> Thanks for coming, everybody. I'm and no the longer with the company. Of but burning coffee creamer fills the park. <laughs> <laughs> this this <laughs> this night is spectacular is brought to you by Cremora. There we go. Um, and then <laughs> what's pop secret? <laughs> Cremora. <laughs> it's not real cream. Pop is actually uh, lactose intolerant. By the way, <laughs> if you or a loved one has a birthday or any kind of special event coming up, we here at the Valentine's Supreme Resort Day. would like for you to contact Steve Gutenberg through his cameo. He will deliver a message to anybody that you like. Maybe an enemy, maybe a friend, maybe Michael Eisner. Who knows? Will he sing Happy Birthday? He could be anybody. And uh, who knows? He might. He offers a very reasonable price, and he needs a new phone. Steve Gutenberg, get in touch with us. Um, (laughs) So then... So, yes. Go ahead. Nope, the current score is 10 to 7. Mm. Disneyland 10, Disney World 7. Okay. What's Pop got? Pop, uh, Pop Secret's got one. <laughs> you Are mean you Pop, Pop Secret? secret? Got one secret. He's got one secret. <laughs> I'll never tell. That's right. Um, he won't. It's so butter yes, flavored. So uh, when I say that we're legitimately concerned that Mickey might not have survived, I'm saying that as somebody who has watched this show multiple times with basically whoever was willing to go to Disneyland with me, I'd be like, we're watching this show. You can go on your cool fun rides. I'm going to be here on my red tartan blanket saving. It's 12 noon, Dan. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Look, you okay and when you go on the rides this is the order that you need to go in first <laughs> you oh, need to boy. go on thunder mountain ask for seat number 13 it's the best one make sure to do the goat trick <laughs> okay anyway the goat trick so um i'm gonna go on i'm gonna go on Haunted nope, mansion then no pirates. no 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 uh excuse me excuse me Haunted Mansion. excuse me young child line. can you watch my red tartan i'm gonna go educate my friend <laughs> on how to properly ride rides that mark davis was it what what where are you going <laughs> <laughs> why do you have so many churros so, uh so tinkerbell suddenly very actually very slowly appears you just hear little magical flute sounds and then all of a sudden you see oh it's our friend Yamel! and she then uh, <laughs> say it say what she does I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Eric. All right, Christy, Dan, Dan broke. You, oh. you, need to, you need to argue for him and against him. Yes. So Tinkerbell appears and sprinkles fairy dust. Uh, and the stage sparkles and our final float um, comes in. And it's Steamboat Willie's steamship. The Mark Twain is here. Because... 
Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Isn't Dan broken? Can't you cut the feed? <laughs> Actually, I can. I just don't know which one's Dan. You have the power. So Disneyland is our the, right name. It's the Mark Twain, uh-huh. which we've all ridden and loved. And then at Disney World is the SS Willie. Is that right? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um, yeah, and uh, the Mark Twain. Nobody falls because it's an actual ride, and. Um, Oh, what? <laughs> and at this point, uh, we see Mickey Mouse piloting the Mark Twain or a shoebox, depending on what coast you're on. And um, fi- and all of our friends, or however many friends they could fit, um, are on the Mark Twain saying, hello, we survived, and doing little sparkle uh hand things that, that probably have a name, but I don't really care what they're called. Which, Dan, yeah. by the way, I think that the Mark Twain is a great place to introduce other characters, right? Like all the, right. the different, the extended universe. Yes. That's a perfect place that's, for it, right? Uh, that's your character dump moment because it's right. just... Mary Poppins. Yeah, they're the, all there. The all your friends are, are there. So now, so now you're placing an importance on a large volume of people simply because you have a large enough boat? Well, it's a, it's like a celebration. It's, I, I think if we're going to follow the, the reasoning for having a character dump, it's like, it's like, okay, conflict over. Now it's a catharsis. Now it's all of our friends. Now, now we can see all of our friends because we've been through the, the story arc. Well, I think, right. I think what it was for me too, is we've watched all of these cinematic presentations of, you know, our, good guys and bad guys and obviously the good guys won squash Kamora gone and we've got you know all of our characters are now brought to life and they're in front of us and we can see them all and steamboat willie and orlando and 26 other characters are on the steamboat as it goes by the ss willie and you can actually see those characters alive now so it's almost like you know the dream is coming to an end because they're coming to life right but before it comes to an end you get a finale that is amazing and oh it's so ridiculously over the top and wonderful um and so and this is also where they diverge a little bit because i think that Hollywood Studios finale is pretty scaled back. Um, and I don't know why. And I, because especially because it's Disney World, and I, this is where I feel like they really kind of dropped the ball. But um, anyway, as the Mark Twain passes, which is a full size boat, um, when we get to the moment in the song where you hear, you know, after the after the actual lyrics to the song have been sung, written by uh, Barnett Ritchie, you then we get fireworks sparkling out of the out of the rivers of America, and all sorts of lighting effects, and uh, my brain's breaking, and um, um, mapping projection mapping, and um, all of those things come together to create a wonderful. Uh, kaleidoscope of color. The world is a carousel of color, after all. And um, then in the moment when the song, the music gets really heavy and intense and bassy, and it kind of slows down like it's a big finale moment, at Disneyland, they use that to great 
effect as Mickey Mouse appears on top of the building that was on the Tom Sawyer's Island. And he directs all of the fireworks across the rivers of America that are actual fireworks that actually shoot and all the water uh, that is full color. Actually waters. There's actually water. Sorry, I'm legitimately, my brain is actually breaking. <laughs> Four hours of teaching plus this is hard. <laughs> so, um, and it, it basically, it's, um, it's a really, really, really big moment. And the bigness of it is felt in the musical key, in the musical um, cues, and in the amount, just the amount of stuff that they throw at you. And there's every effect happening all at once. And it's Mickey. He is triumphant. This is catharsis. It's like 300 dolphin shows piled on top of each other. And if you're anywhere near me, I'm going to be sobbing like a child. So one of the things that I just a little behind the scenes part, I had a good friend who worked Fantasmic at Disneyland and Disney or Mickey Mouse on uh, the Mark Twain, right, is is the Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then instantaneously appears at the top of that building, the aforementioned, you know, Tom Sawyer thing you'd mentioned. There is a crew on hand. At all times. That carries Mickey from Next. the Mark Twain, changes his clothes really quickly, gets him his scotch no, and his he, newspaper. He <laughs> so, but there's a crew on hand with a black blanket next to Steamboat Willie Mickey, just in case the lights don't go off, that can cover him with a blanket so you can't see both Mickeys at so the same time. So you never see him at the same time, so the illusion still yep. works. That's amazing. And. And the other thing about this, so so Fantasmic has about fifty cast members and about fifty crew members on the island and on the show. And you think about the monkeys that are on the barges. Those monkeys are dressed in pirate wench costumes. And the minute those barges dock, they immediately are stripping off costume to reveal their pirate costume to run across the island to get onto the pirate ship. That was obviously, you know. With the Peter Pan, I'm sure it's the same for the the pirates thing. But but there's a crew of people that are there to clean up the costumes that they're shedding as they're running across the island. So that that's how efficient this show runs. Yeah, yeah. I am now always going to be thinking about monkeys on a float stripping. <laughs> oh, <laughs> naked monkeys! You know, furry, just like me. <laughs> oh, Christy, how does uh, how does Hollywood Studios end? Yeah, Hollywood Studios has pyrotechnics and flames, and we have. Fireworks and it is, <laughs> and we have Dan squealing in the background, but only on a red tartan blanket, so it's okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that thing smelled, by the way, after two years, that thing smelled awful. Oh, I can you only can, imagine. You can wash blankets now. And I was, I mean, just 14, the gum 15, alone. I wasn't watch. I wasn't washing anything at that time. <laughs> All right. So how does how does the uh, how does the steamboat uh, Willie experience compare to the Mark Twain? So when I watched both, and I've watched both really recently, um, there, and I know Mark Twain is a ride and this ship is, you know, the SS Willie is not a ride, but it was really remarkable how similar they felt to me. Um, I have ridden on the Mark Twain, 
But, and obviously I haven't ridden on the SS Willie because you can't, but it was awesome to see all of the characters. And what I found fascinating, and maybe this is a little bit about what Jimmy was talking about, as the boat is moving through the moat, the characters are moving around the boat. So they're always facing the audience. Mm -hmm. They're not just facing the front of the boat. They're continuing to engage with the audience all the way through the soundtrack. So I thought that was really cool. And they did that on both. I mean, I'm not saying they're doing that. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually a good point to bring up. I, that it is it is very impressive how when you can see the boat from all sides then the characters mm-hmm. are on all sides and then yep. they, they're very very aware of where the sight lines are yeah and they're very aware of why we're all there i mean it mm-hmm. is you know a dream sequence and this is you know the finale and what i really love about this show too is at the end of all of you know the pyrotechnics and booms and bangs and mickey pops up and he says some dream huh um, Christy, it's yeah. some imagination, which was the original name of the yep. show. And it, it, it just, but that's what it's all about. It is a story. Yeah. It took some bumps and, you know, there were dragons and swords and tailors and Jafars and Cruellas and Chernabogs, but it all was just about a dream. And, 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 See? and, I'm not going to lie. When I, the video that I watched of the Hollywood studios, fantastic. A bunch of people were getting up to leave before the finale. <laughs> and I don't know if that's normal, but I, you got to get to the just, car first. Dan. I think that's people who want to get to parking. The Beat the traffic. <laughs> I saw that and I was Come like, on, kids. Oh, this isn't good. <laughs> Because if you watch any of the videos of Disneyland, and again, this is where we get to subject, I guess, I mean, there's no way to quantify this. I mean, it's just, there's, it's just more stuff at Disneyland. It's, it's basically like someone put their hands and their elbows and their arms on all the special effects, but in a skillful way to just be like, just we still have we still have juice. Let's give him all the juice. Um, yeah, I, it, my my take you on can, this is it. You can hear in the videos. Sorry, Eric, I keep stepping on you. In the you can hear in the videos. Almost every single video at Disneyland is mad cheering at the end. Like, and I'm not saying that doesn't exist at Disney World, but like you can hear a difference. You can also I think hear that's me t- pushing through the crowd trying to get onto pirates one more time. Right. Which is the way to do it. And, and I'm sure that exists, Dan. I'm sure that that, that does exist, depending on the vantage point of the camera. Yeah, right, sure right, right. People who didn't invest four hours to sit and watch this thing are back right. out because they just showed up at the end. But yeah, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It, it seems to me that, uh, that, I mean, Disney does, does grand finales very well. They, they do the, the, the giant – you're right, Dan. It, it, it is just like, hey, all of the things we did, just do it one more time. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Do it three more times. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, and it does seem like to me in my, in my experience that the, uh, the Disneyland show has a little more, little more flair to it. Maybe because, again, it's, it's a little bit smaller, but it, I mean in some ways it's not. Um, I don't know. It just feels like they're they're blowing up more of the park. <laughs> yeah, well, right, and it, that's because you it can't is, get away. It is, it is definitely a there, there's moments where you can feel someone saying, "Let's just turn this thing up to 11. 
and it, and it like works. And this is one of those moments where you're just like, oh, they just went full ridiculous, just overkill on this. And in that moment where it's like, we, we thought Mickey could have been dead like two minutes ago. And here he is, he's triumphant. He's mastered his powers. He's, you know, shooting stars into the sky and everything. And I feel like Disneyland, it lives up to that moment in the story a lot stronger. Make him stay, Merv. Okay. Well, for the finale, uh, do we have any other comments about, uh, we've, we've talked a fair amount about the park and uh, how you, you started with where we, we often end, which is the, the impact of this experience on the rest of the area do we have any other points that we haven't brought up yet um, um i do have one more thing like to make? um when oh, you're okay. leaving the okay. amphitheater where you've sat down and enjoyed this show um when you leave don't walk on the benches right oh yeah don't walk on yeah. benches. oh that's very dangerous yes that seems very dangerous i i think that there there there's a feeling that phantasmic at disneyland shuts down that side of the park but and this I, this could just be my experience and bias showing. That's never been my feeling of it, unless you're trying to get in as it's getting out, um, which is just crowd control in general. Um, you can still – in fact, they really encourage you to walk through the area as you're moving. I was one of those people. Right? And it's it, – it's, it's, yeah, it is a crowd control nightmare potentially, but they have figured out ways to make it work. And all the rides over there are still open. Tom Sawyer's Island is was closed anyway. Um there's nothing impeding anything other than your movement while the show is going and just by a little bit. As the person who is the ah, I've seen this, let's go. Yeah. Um, let's get on a, a few more rides. Um, because I'm not a huge Spectaculars viewer. I know, I'm a terrible person. Um, it is great to see the crowd control. It, 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 it's always fantastic at any Disney Fantasmic. park. But Fantasmic. It's always amazeballs at any Disney park. <laughs> and it, really, if you're trying to get a, get ahead of that, that rush, you, you can do it. Because I am that guy going to the car and, right. and trying to get ahead. Like As long as you know... we got to get to the bar first. Right, as long as you know to get on Pirates of the Caribbean right before it ends or be on the other side of the park. <laughs> but I think that's true with any Disney um, oh, yeah, mass absolutely. gathering, the fireworks shows, the parades. There is a way. I know people complain about it a lot, but there is always somewhere you can keep moving so you don't have to stop and wait for the thing. Um, yeah. I usually stop and wait for the thing because if I miss something, I'll just feel awful and I'll feel like I had nothing. So I have to stop for the thing. But there is always a way to get around it. Yeah. Nature finds a way. Always. <laughs> Jurassic Park. All right. So that's I, sorry, uh, 11 points I, for Disneyland. Really quick. I'm really sorry. I just really, really quick thing that I need since we're doing this. If I don't point this out, I will regret not pointing it out. When Mickey at the end of the show explodes himself from the top of the building to the stage oh, at the bottom, yeah. I challenge you to not think of that moment next time you watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail and the sorcerer explodes Tim. himself. <laughs> That's it. That's the end. Challenge okay. accepted. <laughs> okay. It's only a flesh wound. <laughs> so the current point total, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, 11 for Disneyland, 7 for Disney World. 
Yeah, that's that's the way it seems on my count. Great. So, any other final arguments? Um, if you already Hollywood went. Studios was in the casino fountain, it would be really cool. Let's see what else. Whether it burns, <laughs> casino. <laughs> yeah. If you want a chair, a, don't a stop by the a, river. If it was a fountain show, like if it was at Bellagio, yeah, yeah. then it would be. Yeah, awesome. if it was like connected to the Tropicana or something, then it'd be like, hey, uh, you got to okay. see that. Um, that one bombed. Let's see. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Fant- Uh-oh. Jimmy, Uh-oh. you'll appreciate this. I would say that Hollywood Studios Fantasmic is whelming. Yes, yes. A thing can be overwhelming. <laughs> a thing can be underwhelming. But can something just be whelming? Mm-hmm. It can. Oh, it's man. A, it, it pleases the crowd, and it gets um, it it gets people to watch it. Dan, I think you nailed it. I can be overwhelmed. <laughs> I can be underwhelmed. But can I just be whelmed? Yes, there's a Hollywood and Studios yes, today. I think Hollywood Studios <laughs> Fantasmic is whelming. 100%. <laughs> this episode could have been 60 seconds long. My mom was going to be so disappointed with this law school degree she just paid for over the internet. Ooh, oh my God. <laughs> well, and I, uh, Eric, yeah, sorry, go for it. Eric, do you have anything else to add before we award the final verdict? I uh, I would just uh, you you really have summed it up quite well. I I would um, just like to say that um, I have never watched uh, either of these experiences <laughs> in their entirety in person. <laughs> That's funny. We picked just the right, yeah, right, yeah. just the just the right amount of neutral. I really am the person who's like, oh, that looks, oh wow, they're on the uh, they're on the Columbia. That's kind of cool. That's so funny. All right. Let's uh let's let's get on let's get on the ride again. But <laughs> we've been doing this show for a year and a half and we've always joked that the Fantasmic show will be the shortest show we've ever had. Nope. <laughs> I told you. 20 minutes later. They could have lasted uh several short minutes. Disneyland <laughs> appears to be the superior <laughs> supreme the superior resort. <laughs> Make him stay, Marv. Yeah. Fantasmic at Disneyland is a special experience. There's a sense of community. There's a sense of something that you've been a part of coming alive. You get to be a part of this experience, this concert experience. And I guess the only thing that I have left to add is this. Is it tentacles? Is it tentacles? It's not testicles. It's tentacles. It's definitely Sorry, I ruined the tentacles. joke by putting on the kings of the king kids of the kingdom overhead. Let's do that again. <laughs> well, now I got to rewind. I'm not ready for yeah. that. I think anyway, it's tentacles. Yeah, people. I'll edit it properly. I think that that the one of the reasons I wanted I I felt so strongly about putting so much into this is first of all it's a huge tribute to. A good friend of mine that I spent a lot of time watching Fantasmic with, who is no longer with us. Um, I'm still here. <laughs> um, You're talking about Dustin Diamond, are you? Uh, yeah. No, I'm talking about my friend Chris. Um, uh, we used to watch the show a lot. And um, it, that and I think that there's a thing with this sh- this podcast where when there's a moment where someone is in a place position to say well i've already seen that at the other one so i don't need to see it here i would 
be so, 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 so sad if someone was familiar with the Hollywood Studios version and was like, I don't need to see. I've seen Phantasmic already. You've seen Phantasmish. I mean, really. And it's kind of mm. like the Tower of Terrors when they were both Tower of Terrors. Like the California Tower of Terror. It's like, yeah, if you've ridden the original one, then you're good. But if you haven't ridden the original one, you really need that experience because of the fifth dimension room. And it's right. just a moment, but it's a huge thing. Totally. Not unlike uh, Disneyland's Pirates of the Caribbean versus Disney World's Pirates of the right. Caribbean, another show that should last five minutes, but last three hours. <laughs> yeah. um, so congratulations to Disneyland. That makes the official score, by the way, if you're keeping the score at home, 13 versus 13. Mm. Disney World has won 13 episodes. Oh. Disneyland Ooh, has won 13 episodes. We're cursed. Make yes. Stay, Merv. <laughs> All right. Now Disneyland has won 14 episodes. <laughs> first 13. Uh, we would like to invite you to listen to our other shows. That's Ears Up, Ears Up in Depth, Banter, Beskar, and Bantha Milk, Scraping the Vault, where you can hear a special early Valentine's episode of Perry. <laughs> it's our gift to you. <laughs> the third Disney princess. <laughs> Uh, Harry and Poro. It's, it's um, an experience. <laughs> also, we'd like to thank Disneyland for introducing multiple point variances uh, to our show. Also, Spectral Radio. Listen to Spectral Radio. It's wonderful. Disneyland, Disney World, Disney Parks Music, Disney Movies, you name it. Spectral Radio, spectralradio.us. Also, follow Jeremy at spectral underscore radio at Instagram and Twitter. Contact us. That's Dan at earsup-podcast.com for his mailbag of mail. Eric at ejohnson at concierge.com. Christiana Can at gmail.com. I'm Jimmy at earsup-podcast.com. And until we meet again, have a wonderful day. Be good to each other. We'll see you next time. Fresh baked. Don't walk on the benches. <laughs> Is it just me or did that last 90 minutes? <laughs> it was a I, long time. I have extensive notes. <laughs> Do we have to start over? Hold on. Magic mirror. No, wait. Hold on. Just wait. Here it comes. Hold on. She's convinced this has testicles. Here it comes. Hold on. She will not accept that it's not tentacles. Here she comes. Yeah. This is the only version I know. I did a bad job researching it. Here it comes. Hold on. I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me well over.
indeed. Okay. There's a symbol crash. Okay, I, I hear can it. hear it. I'm. I really do think that it's it's where it's that place where memory gets mushed together yeah, a little totally. bit because yeah. it is yeah. the part. It, it is where hands come on either side of the screen. So it's perfectly reasonable to for someone's brain to think. Oh well, she says she says hands because I see hands. No, she says testicles. <laughs> she does now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, all right. That, Good job, everybody. <laughs> all right. On on three, everybody clap. We'll sync up. <laughs> one. Okay. Wait. Is it one, wait, wait, two, wait. three, one. and clap oh, no. on three? <laughs> or? It's, it's it's one. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dan has lost Just it. Just freaking clap. <laughs> I was I've been waiting for that moment for 2 minutes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Just freaking clap. <laughs>